Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Uh, our movie this week is Cloud Atlas. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry. Choice. Uh, press play and press pause when the Warner Brothers logo fades to black. At the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point I'll press play. You'll press play and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary. It'll be like, it'll be like any other commentary. <laughs> Except, of course, with four friends in your head.com. The friends this week are myself, as always, Teague Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hi. And then the future version of Teague Christie and the future version of yeah. Brian Fenifter. Played by Teague Christie. In the future, I'm Dorkman. Oh, God. <laughs> Who was us in the past? It's freaky. Pavlich. Anyway, uh, I hadn't seen this movie before. Um, I, I wanted to see it in theaters because at the time, everyone was saying, love it or hate it, see it in theaters. Uh, and I, I just missed the ball on that one. And then everyone I know <laughs> alone. either really, yeah. really loved it. Or hated it. And I didn't hear, I thought that was the entire spread of the opinions. I, I was missing out on the ones that it makes sense you'd miss out on, which are the ones who were just confused a little bit and like, well, I don't know what the hell, but those aren't the ones that are going to go screaming from the hills. Well, so you most, never hear their opinion. I, I feel like most of the ones, the a, a lot of the majority. ones who are confused fell on the side of hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I, I hate it because I'm confused, yeah. basically. Yeah. It is. And uh, I hadn't seen it until I didn't get it. I, uh, I started it last night and then I went to sleep. And then I watched it. Actually, when I woke up this morning, it was uh, just about done. And I finished it this morning. So I've only ever seen it once through, and I just finished it like oh, well, 20 minutes ago. You're not really qualified because you really have to see it at least twice. Yeah, to, to that's, really what, what, I'm, that's what I'm about. gathering. There's just a tremendous amount of movie in this goddamn movie. And uh, six of them, in fact. And I, I loved it. And I have no idea what the yeah. fuck. Yeah. He's the one, he's the one who falls on the side of, I'm confused, but I loved it. I'm yeah. confused, but that's, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I just a lot of really stunning performances. I, I don't know if... I have actually seen Halle Berry act in a lot of things or not, but I was really she, astonished. Like she, she, she can, actually is an Oscar nominee. She can act. It wasn't yeah. just all Catwoman in her what, past. What, what, <laughs> did, what was she nominated for? Monster Ball? Ball. Yeah, Monsters I didn't. I never saw that. But I just I was everyone in this, and I you know you could put Tom Hanks in twenty five more weird makeups, and I would still watch the shit out of him. Like I just love him doing all the weird voices more and goofy everything. teeth. Tom, I kind of wish the version <laughs> of him that was like the sort of the thuggy guy got more play because I just love watching him do that voice because I was like oh man you're walking a fine line Hanks yeah. but it was just it, it's just a tremendously big movie and I also liked it and that's uh, that's cool it's also interesting to see the Wachowskis move away from something that is so very very densely like plot driven you know story beat driven with you know Matrix and Vendetta and those things to something that's really lyrical and abstract equally densely plotted just not in any of the ways that you watch the Matrix and go wow the plotting in this movie is perfect this is much more <laughs> it's like it's it's abstract almost. It's I like mean, they it's, read all the criticisms of the Matrix sequels and said, "Okay, we'll do a movie that we don't explain shit." Yeah, yeah. exactly. We just, we just let it happen. How so about that? Basically, the Matrix sequels could be argued to have been nothing but like philosophy thrown in jibber jabber, just like and you like that, and everyone going no, and then Cloud Atlas. Actually, the version of the story I like is what Mike was saying about the guy who wrote the book. But we'll get to that when we get to Mike. Anyway, I liked it. I don't know what the fuck, but I liked it and I want to watch it again and I yeah. look forward to having this conversation. Brian, what's your Cloud Atlas thing? Unfortunately, I only saw 10 minutes of this on the glorious uh, big screen when we went to the uh, uh, 10. Uh, visual effects oh, right. uh, bake-off. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. 10 non-consecutive minutes. Yes. Exactly. Like it makes a difference. As if consecutive minutes would have helped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember I asked you guys, and I asked you guys, I said, okay, so who, you hadn't seen Cloud Atlas. Like, Do you have any clue what the hell Cloud Atlas is about from that? And I remember... Uh, be very honestly saying no and then you saying yeah and there's a whole other storyline and time period that isn't even in that highlight yeah, reel yeah because the whole uh yeah you know, the, master and commander ship era it, yeah. it wasn't on the vfx reel at all uh but uh, yeah at that point 
before then, I was like, I really, I really should go see Cloud Atlas, and I just didn't do it. Uh, and I saw that, I was like, okay, well, that needs to be a priority right now. Uh, so I got my hands on a DVD, um, and watched it, and like watched it twice immediately, like in with, in two days, watched it twice. Uh, and yeah, I'm also confused, but on <laughs> if I fall down on the loving side of confused. Um, it's just a, it's one of those movies again that we've talked about before. Where it's like. I'm amazed that anybody did this. Like the physical yeah, yeah. act of photographing these things <laughs> and just yeah. putting these photographs together in this, this order. Yeah, this is a coffee and bagels movie, but in a good way. You're going, so, people got together and did yeah. this. This, <laughs> this is the kind of movie that you dream of being on because yeah. it's like you literally get to make eight movies. Yeah. What are you doing this week, sci fi? What are you doing next week, Master and Commander? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. We're going this to Hawaii for three Runner. weeks. We're going here and there. Yeah. So, yeah, just in, in right in league with metropolis and titanic in terms of somebody actually went to the trouble of bringing a whole group of people together <laughs> at the same time to do this even more surprising to me is someone greenlit it no well they, the they, was, they lost a lot of funding it was independently financed yeah. Yeah. So they put in a lot of their own money at the very last minute seriously uh, yeah. yeah this yeah. is this movie i it's it's worth pointing out especially given how budgets are uh, and it's funny to say this, but, um, this movie is, was only about a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All things considered, <laughs> you yeah. know, nowadays, it's like, like you said, this is six huge movies yeah. for a hundred million dollars when like one movie about zombies is four hundred yeah. million dollars. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, to break well, it down in a different way. So that would be what, like 18 ish million dollars for each quote unquote movie of this. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, consider, but they're short you, films, so yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, yeah. But you, you but made, still, you're putting the whole thing together just to make yeah. this little <laughs> ten minute sequence. But you made Blade Runner for in you know in 2012, you made Blade Runner for 18 million dollars, and then you also made Master and Commander for 18 million dollars. Yeah, and you did that consecutively six times at the same time, yeah. which is very remarkable. All right, Mike, what's the deal? Should I go next or should Trey? Okay, I, 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 well, yeah, I'll go first because because yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, and I'll throw it to you because <laughs> it, you know, it suits the you're the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Here in just a second, you will have heard the last of Teague and Brian. And Trey. <laughs> you're, you're the you're the reason we're here. Um, because yeah, Mike was Mike was evangelizing to all of us like, oh my god, you guys, Cloud Atlas, and we're like, yeah, okay, what is that? Never heard of it, you know? Okay, Wachowski's hmm, kind of hit and miss. Okay, um, I didn't see it in theaters. Nobody did. Um, <laughs> I got a screener. I was like, all right, Cloud Atlas. Let's see what this is about. Popped it in. Um, first time, did not like it. Uh. First time was like, well, I, boy, that's a lot of effort, but what the hell did I just watch? And, and so then I went on the internet, like you do, to go, okay, type, type, type Wikipedia, straighten me out. What the <laughs> hell was that all about? And, and I started to read about it, and I realized in a review or whatever that, that the, the, the thing I'd done wrong in watching it, you know, it was on me. I watched it wrong, is... It doesn't, I was looking for like, oh, okay, so there's a connection and a connection and a connection and this person becomes this person becomes this person. And I was all caught up in trying to track that. Like trying to figure out which like, one was the through line? Yeah, exactly. Who, okay, so he's him this time and she's him next time and he this and that. And I, I kept, you know, trying to keep tabs on everything. And I, and I learned from sort of realizing reading the reviews afterwards and so on. I was like, the movie doesn't really have a one-to-one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one -to -one yeah, relationship. Right. It's about how these themes and 
souls and characters and events and, and issues keep coming back and echoing and recombining and, and bumping into each other. But it's not like a strict grid that you can map out. You can, you can map a through line of sorts. You can map some through lines of it, but it's not about how you see how the exact same thing keeps happening every time. It's like, it's not like that. It isn't, it doesn't do that. You know, Hugh Grant is usually an antagonist, but not always. You know, the, the person with the, you know, the, the weird birthmark is usually this kind of thing, but not necessarily. Um, Although and, Hugo Weaving is pretty much always an asshole. Exactly. But, but so Hugo Weaving and, and Hugh Grant are our, our bad guys in this movie, which is great. But um, so the second time I watched it, mm. I let go. Of, in their name. I let go of that. I, I I stopped trying to like, okay, okay, this is this and this is this, and I just let the experience wash over me. And and I and I felt it that time instead of understanding it. You know, I, I got the I got the feeling of it, the vibe of it, of just like, yeah, okay, this is human existence, and these are things that just keep we deal with, and things that pop up, and how we deal with each other, and how we interact, and so on. And then I was just able to just roll with it and go with the flow. So it's very, it's it's unusual for me to shut my mind off in that that part of my brain off while I'm watching a movie. So I had to consciously do it and say, stop analyzing this movie and just roll with it. And then I said, okay. I get you now, movie. Now I know what you are doing, movie. <laughs> and, and now I think you're awesome. I was always impressed by the production value and the acting and all the performances. I just didn't get the whole. I didn't get the gestalt of it. Um, but you reached back to film school. And exactly. I went back and I said, well, like, pre-film school, I said, I'm going to, you know, like we say, usually it means it's a bad thing when you say you have to shut your mind off to watch this movie. In mm-hmm. this case, it was a positive thing to right. go, don't analyze this movie. Just... Just, you know, let it be a thing that you experience. And then I was like, okay, I totally get what this is now. And I really, and I dig it. And I was able to just appreciate it and enjoy it. And then the, the one through line, and now this is where I throw it to Mike, um, is then, then I read Mike's review, you know. Oh, I should have read that. Yeah, which is actually, <laughs> and Mike, he, he pulled, he pulled out what I think is the real through line of it, which I didn't get at all intellectually, but I totally see the idea that every person, the real connection is that every person's story influences the next person in line at the critical moment when they need to hear the previous story that's the through line and and it's which as we'll point out each story exactly now we can we can connect those dots as we watch it so that's really the only through line that's is solid in the movie that's the spine of the movie even though it tells it in convoluted non-chronological order but it's all about how what you do is going to have an effect in a way you'll never know and can never predict. In some decision someone, you'll make some other on someone sometime in the future you will yeah. have made a difference in someone else's life. That's really what the movie is talking yeah. about. Um, and so like just like don't be like me. <laughs> don't try and like figure out this movie. Just appreciate the the what it's doing as it's doing it and don't try and rationalize it. That's my that's my advice. Michael, are you rolling in the deep? <laughs> <laughs> I think oh I, I will say I think there is plenty to analyze we'll do. Oh you can totally analyze like, there, there's plenty to analyze and there are great echoes and so on. like I said, if you try and do it while you're watching yeah. it, you're you're missing the joy of watching. Yeah, and you're gonna get you'll you'll get certainly kind of distracted by it and and uh, another thing that that I remember you said um in in the thread about it is um the the thing also to let go of is the idea that it's all coming together yes. and there's some landing that's going to be stuck where it's like like it's a mystery box thing like the reason I'm telling you all six of these stories is ta da like yeah. right at the end it's like no that's not really <laughs> yeah. what they're doing they're, yeah. each story comes to its own conclusion and and you know yeah. the the idea is that like you said and that was why I was ultimately disappointed the first time because I was yeah. working so hard to stay with it and then yeah. at the end it didn't give me like a treat of, yeah <laughs> you know here's what that was all yeah. about ding, you were, ding. You were yeah. working really hard to 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 track all of the threads <laughs> exactly. thinking they were going to come to a single point I was and a, never I was I followed your maze movie and you gave me no cheese at the end <laughs> yeah. damn yeah, it it's like oh this is a Rashomon thing where we all come together yeah exactly nope. so, so that was my fault that yeah. was my fault it's not that kind of movie yeah um so yeah I saw this. 
I, I'm the only one here who saw it in theaters. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're the only one in the world. Yeah, who saw it in which um, I I mean, and the and I will say the only reason I did so is because that's just what I do with movies like this. Like w- I, watching the the promos, I go, oh, that certainly seems ambitious, but I don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on. I'm not really. And then the Wachowskis, you know, my feelings on the Matrix sequels and stuff like that. I actually. When I talked about this uh, online, people were going, "Oh, you know, you know, they the Matrix, but uh, you know, I thought Speed Racer was was pretty good." Oh, I forgot about that. People one. People would bring up Speed Racer, and I and I was like, "Speed Racer is the only reason I went to see Cloud Atlas <laughs> because because Speed Racer is, I think, a great movie too. Um, it's not. I mean, it's a. It's not as great as Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas is, has become one of my favorite movies like ever." Um, it was my favorite of last year, and it's one of my all-time favorites. Damn, they're they've got a pretty high track record with you, all things considered. They do now. No, I I, I thought about that. I, I after this, I was like, I like way more of their stuff than I don't. So I guess I just need to get over. <laughs> Admit it, you like the you like the no, Isn't the Matrix one of your favorite movies too? It is. I'm so saying I need to get over got, the they've sequels. They've got two of your favorites. Yeah, they're on your list twice. Yeah, that's, you know that's Spielberg territory to be yeah, you know, yeah. rate that high. But um, so uh, yeah, in Cloud Atlas. Uh, I think is is absolutely great, but there is there is a lot going on definitely, <laughs> and it's um and and we'll we'll uh you know get to it as it starts, but it doesn't um it, it's and it's something that I do appreciate about it, but it's scary when you're for, when you're experiencing it essentially cold because I didn't know anything pretty much about it um when you go into it and it just dumps you in and it does not hold your hand at least in the beginning there there are a few moments where I think it actually spoon feeds you a little bit more than i think people are necessarily giving you credit for or, or um it, but in a good it way it says the theme like six times it says it yeah. says several there are multiple themes and each one oh, somebody somebody <laughs> yeah. says at least but in a good way somebody says at least at, at, at least once it is said explicitly kind of what they're doing <laughs> some a character says it a lot thematically or plot wise thematically know? okay thematically um we need to make sure that love conquers all yeah something like that <laughs> Um, but like, for example, Halle Bear is reading the, uh, the Frobisher's letters and she says, I'm, I'm just struck by how we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. I'm like, right there, right there. The movie <laughs> yeah, said yeah, yeah. out loud yeah. what it's doing, you know? Um, so you liked it. So it's basically a Scientology it, yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the ghosts of our past. I'm sure you could, uh, I'm sure you could find you could totally do plenty it. of, uh, connections. Anyway. So if you're at the point where the Warner Brothers logo has faded to black, like I am, put your finger on the button. Three, two, one oh my god yeah but like you i am surprised that they got money from anybody yeah because because even reading the script i i I found a draft of the script and it's an earlier draft so some things are different some things are actually much closer to the uh the book and it also just skips one thing to the next doesn't bother to explain it i'm like if i were reading this i'd be like what the fuck is going on because at least with this you have to pitch this movie you have to pitch with different visuals at least you can keep you can track it much yeah, better than yeah. on the page. Yeah. This is a know? walk in the office and show storyboards pitch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> by the sure. way, I I do think I liked it a lot more than I would have if I saw it in theaters because I had the opportunity to read. Oh yeah, yeah. What yeah. this age Tom Hanks is saying because if I w- I liked a few times I was like no no, no I'm gonna see if I can do- nope can't. He's a, I'm, but the, but they are already setting up talking about you know your the ghosts of the past and voices of yeah. of your oh, yeah, ancestors yeah, yeah. and I mean, stuff like they, that. They they do that. I, I honestly think the problem that all I'll, voices tied up into many one, people very first line he's telling you what's going on many more people would have liked this movie if they could have understood or at least read what he was saying because right. etymologically all of like the little permutations of all the words that have floated into this new language all make sense if you can read them like I don't call what you're saying and all that yeah but you also can't hear him because of the accent so it's a little bit 
I, I think most of the stuff that he says is the most helpful in the movie, and he's also the hardest to hear. Yeah. You have to pay. Uh, it is something it's I like tell, Bane. It is something I tell yeah. people when you're, when I'm uh, recommending this listen, movie. Listen, listen like, hard. You have to pay, you have to pay attention to the whole movie. You do. Number one. Number two, when, when Tom Hanks has tattoos on his face, you have to pay extra, <laughs> extra special attention. attention. Yeah. Because he's talking off future. Yeah. He's talking. Not only is it more important, it's also harder to hear. Essentially a different language entirely. But, but it's also um, that opening scene is, te- is telling you immediately and right away that this is a movie that you need to watch more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no way you're possibly going to get the impression that you really need to get. Yeah. That was, that's, yeah, that, that's the bit I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching in the theaters and that starts and I, and I'm like, okay. I need to sit up and open up yeah, my yeah. eyes and ears because I'm going to have this, to Well, this, this montage, basically, where they just slam you through like, okay, we're going to do all these stories, you guys. Yeah. You know, which apparently, now you, I, I assume you have read the book. Yes. And the book is is not, is chronological, isn't it? The book the book has this pyramid structure where, um, and they, they sort of reference that in the uh, in the Frobisher story. Uh, this, is, this is actually the moment I got on board with it is Cavendish saying, basically... I have no time and, for this the, shit. And, well, <laughs> yeah. I have no time. Flash but, forwards. But the... the this is this is the filmmakers this, yeah, they're using him as a mouthpiece. This is say, their disclaimer to you. Yeah, to yeah. say, listen, hang in. I know it's fucking crazy, but I swear <laughs> to God, we know what we're doing. And yeah. and as soon as that moment came, I went, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you you went out of your way to 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 meet me halfway and go, okay. I promise. I promise. <laughs> like Mike it, is marveling over the scene, like it's yeah. trying to say something to yeah. me. It's a great big. Uh, Lantern, uh, hanging yeah. the lantern uh, on the whole movie going yeah. we know this is bad shit hang <laughs> yeah. in there it's gonna be rough you guys now uh, and that's what got me on board that's yeah. what got me on board with the movie and apparently that's that's how uh that same line is the one that uh uh at least for lana that's what cracked the the code of the movie mm. it was like he's talking about that and she and she goes we have license to do all these flashbacks and forwards we totally said we were going Which actor to is yeah. playing him uh the same one who plays six smith Really? Yeah. yeah. There's a, the the uh, archivist is Six Smith, but with uh, yeah. So Korean he, makeup. he's not always the protagonist. He's yeah. the antagonist in that story. So that's that was the kind of thing that threw me off. It's like, yeah. well, wait. So every so often, the good guy is the bad guy. So now I'm confused. Yeah. Well, the <coughs> the dimension that took me, you know, that threw me off at front is that it's the actors playing the different characters. The characters are not the same, you know, quote unquote soul or whatever you yeah. want to call it. They're not the same. Uh, Everyone gets to be the soul at one point or another. Yeah, like yeah, the story. yeah. There's a there's a book that kind of similar structure to this by Kim Stanley Robinson that I that mm. I like a lot called The Years of Rice and Salt, which uses right, a, yeah. a similar sort of similar uh, structure uh, in the sense that you're following a small group of like three main characters as they get reincarnated over time, and so you follow them over like two thousand years worth of history. Mm. But in that case, they're all like, and in the book he uses a device of their names always start with the same letter. Ah. So I forget what the letters are, but like C, the character's name that always starts with C, that's the same quote unquote soul. Mm. So that threw me off in the beginning of like, okay, so is Tom Hanks always the same quote unquote soul through each timeline? But it's not. Well, according to them, Tom Hanks specifically, he is. He's the exception. Tom Hanks is the exception. The other ones, the other ones swap around. Okay. Yeah. But, but every time you see Tom Hanks, the idea is it's he's basically if if there is a singular protagonist of this whole thing, it's kind of Tom Hanks's story of him his transition according to them from villain to hero, which okay. ultimately over the over the course of many lifetimes and how and how it's basically love the power you know love over greed that gets him there. Which gives me a thought: if the movie's, I don't know if the movie cares to think in this way, but if the movie's point is that souls live on and can be informed by previous incarnations, 
it's there. These these time frames don't line up end to end. There's big spaces no. between them. Presumably, there were souls that well, there's spaces souls in this movie that lived other lives in the middle that they were like didn't do anything interesting that soul. <laughs> yeah, but good that, job, good job. That was a, that was a yeah. Those like six lives in a row, you didn't do much. Well, they, they spent they, some time, or in the they didn't intersect or something. Well, there's spaces between them, and there's overlaps. There's you know the the yeah they do the they Halle Berry like. in 1973 and the Halle Berry in 2012 would have lived around the same. Yeah. It would have lived simultaneously. Well, and and you know. Six Smith's lover meets meets him again when he becomes Halle Berry. Yeah. So. Wow, <laughs> I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah he re- he recognizes the t- the the birthmark and goes, "Whoa, holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. in the um, chat, the, by the way, but the birth the the birthmark in the in the book, and, and we can we can talk about the, the book a little bit. But in the book, the the comet is whoever has the comet is the same soul over and over again. Yeah. And in the movie, they change the conceit um, such that whoever has the comet is the force for change in this time period. And that's that's kind of the idea. So there, does that mark them as the protagonist or the antagonist of the, 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 the catalyst? The, yeah, the catalyst and the the protagonist of their story. They're the they're the ones because because each story is um it's a you know there are about lots of things but but the thing that really struck me even watching it the first time and that fascinated me was each each story is kind of about the same thing. Um, each story is about the idea of oppression and of, of people who are convinced that this is the, you know, in, in several of the stories, they talk about the natural order of things. But of course, the natural order in each story is completely different than it was the last time. Right. And so that's, you know, kind of highlighting that and, and not, as we're uh, seeing on the screen right yeah, now, and not, and not changing that and, and, um, you know, we were talking about Hugo Weaving is not necessarily the same soul reincarnated, but he, he, represents the same thing in each yeah, story. He's, he's which, the oppressor in every case. Well, uh, the, the, um, he's, he's an instrument of, of the oppressor. Yeah, he's basically. Not, he's, 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 the, he's the arm. He defends the, the status quo and, yeah. and Hugh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Grant is the oppressor. He's the face of oppression yeah. in, in each, uh, story. But, um, so it's, you know, it's a, and it, there's always kind of a, a thing of greed, uh, versus love as well going on. Or, or if not love, then trust. But I think, the the movie is kind of making the point that it's you know they're the same thing or not believing um, what you way. hear. There's Halle Berry. There's Halle Berry That's, again. Yeah. Um. I like the very. Uh, uh. We don't get to the future stuff for a while, but because because right now we're actually going to go fairly chronologically for a little while. Um. It's going to be this story, and then it's going to move forward to Frobisher, the composer, and then it's going to move, which is how the book is structured. The book doesn't jump around like this. The book, what the book does is it tells the first half of this story and then it jumps to the composer so it goes chronologically up and it tells this the first half of his story and they reference that in this uh you know in the movie talking about how he he could only find the first half of of uh ewing's journal and uh the in the in the book that's what it's like so there's the comment on ewing um and it's so it's moving forward i could only find the first half and then the the you know the the first half of Frobisher's letters like she only had half of them and she she got the rest later so it was moving up like that and then when you get to the far future stuff it tells the whole story and then it goes back down the ladder backwards telling the second half of each story uh going back in time so it was kind of structured which lends which like lends that. to a more sort of clear understanding of what the point of the piece is uh, possibly I actually I, I actually found that. Ha- being able to juxtapose them the way the Wachowskis and and Tom Twyker, we should say that the, yeah, that's right. Were, you mentioned there was another director. In yeah, this movie. yeah. Uh, the the gentleman who made uh, Run Lola Run, among other things, um, which you can definitely, <laughs> I think, see that influence on this on this film as well. But um, 
not only in the structure, but particularly in the Cavendish story, it has the same sort of comic sensibilities as, as Ronald LaRun did. Um, so there's Frobisher with the, the comet. Um, lying with the, and this was a surprise in the, in the theater being like, Oh, just a gay couple right there. <laughs> and they're not even going to do a thing about it. It's a just, gay couple it in history. Yeah. yeah. In the thirties. Yeah. You were going to make a point about which one was clearer. Uh, I think that the movie is clearer because it has the opportunity to juxtapose and say, I'm, t- I told you both of these things because they are thematically related and right. put them closer together and put them time. right next to each other yeah. so that you can see this is what it is. And there's Hugh Grant. By the way, this guy in Frobisher form is I think what people see when they look at Benedict Cumberbatch and say he's gorgeous. <laughs> I think they're seeing him yeah. in their head. Benedict Cumberbatch is very striking. Um, striking is a very good word for it. But, but, but yeah. I think what I think what like the Tumblr people are seeing is like that. Well I've seen pictures I've seen pictures of him. I haven't actually seen Sherlock, but I've seen pictures of him as Sherlock <laughs> and he has that mop top. <laughs> but he has the same kind of mop top thing <laughs> going on and I think that's it. We're gonna stop this right now, you're gonna watch Sherlock. I will turn this I will turn this atlas around. <laughs> that's the by, by the way, that shot of the train, we're going to see the exact same uh the exact same um background, the exact same kind of world of the train the only thing that will be different is the train when cavendish is going right. is going north so in the uh in the scripts do they do they make clear like which actor gets assigned to each character no or is it just six smith and yeah in this whoever? in the script they're just telling the story okay they're just straight up and and yeah you, they don't they don't uh, even so there's, the script, there's no clue about that aspect of the film at all within the script right okay right. Which is which? How did they pick roles? Was it just like high school theater? Like I want to be the guy with the weird teeth. No, I think they were figuring it out as they went. I think that was part of it because again, it's not, it's not a as, as Trey was pointing out, it's not a one to one to one thing necessarily. Where this character always plays the same soul going forward. It's like the i the idea is that you know this is this is the kind of thing that happens in history again and again, and so having the same and and that happens it happens to everyone. The whole. We, we, we should talk about um, the title, Cloud Atlas. Um, a, a Cloud Atlas is a book with pictures of clouds in it to tell you what different, you know, what different clouds are and what they look like and how to name them, cumulonimbus and all that business. The reason that's the title is that, I, I think... Um, I, I haven't really been able to... Um, but because but, I, I looked it up, I'm like, what is a Cloud Atlas? And I looked it up. Because they don't use one, obviously, in the yeah. in the movie, they don't make a, a strong point of it. The it's the idea that you're looking at these things that look different, and you can identify them as being distinct from each other. But ultimately, they are all the same thing. They're all made from the same stuff. They are all the same thing. And a one type of cloud can become another type of cloud if you put, you know, if outside forces act on them. You and might. Might get out of this episode with an honorary reading. <laughs> you might. And, well, is there then maybe an aspect of the pareidolia to it in terms of, oh, that's a that's a cumulonimbus cloud, which is made up of moisture, which is every other cloud. And it looks like but, a but rabbit. It, but it also looks like a bunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. maybe. So that, this that, cloud that, looks like a bunny, and that cloud looks like the villain, and that cloud looks that, like that a bunny. It only looks like a bunny. It's not really a bunny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that might very well be part of it as well. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's a really good point. We should. I'm just. Uh, is this a Blu-ray we're looking at? Yes. Because yep. I'm. I I've only seen it on you know uh, NTSC DVD, so this is uh, an NTSC theater. Um, 
just just to say and get out of the way, it's like, my God, this is a beautifully produced movie. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. The the cinematography and the production design is is who mind-boggling. Is, who is the good. DP? Is it the same DP for all different... Well, they, they actually... No, they had, they had to shoot simultaneously. Yeah, so they were two separate units. It wasn't like the, the Wachowskis and, and uh, Twiker were, were all on the set. They actually were two different units right. that were shooting yeah. sequences. Yeah, that's why they so, brought him so, on. So, and I don't know, the, break, the, the breakdown's been... Revealed. The, I don't, the breakdown is who, um, who directed which section? Oh yeah, I just the, had that up actually. The Wachowskis. Uh, the Wachowskis did the. Um, Hang on, I've, I've got it. The here. Wachowskis did the the boat stuff. They did they did the Moby Dick section. Uh, <laughs> Twiker did this section. Here, I got, I got Twiker it. did the uh, the no. Hold on, let me see if I can. <laughs> all, right, all right, go for it. It's a quiz. Twiker did the uh, the 1970s stuff and the Cavendish stuff, and then the Wachowskis did Neo Soul in the Far Future. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. It, it says here, Wachowski's did 1849, which is the Master and Commander, right? Yeah. 2144, which is Neo Soul. Yeah. 2321, which is post-apocalypse stuff. Yeah. Okay. I got and it. And Tyker did the 30s, 70s, and 2012 segments. Okay. Cool. They uh, didn't trust Tom with the stuff that wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, I, I think I think part of it, I, to an extent, that makes sense. Where they're like, "Listen, we've done this before. We'll yeah. do this, yeah. and you do the thing that you do." And that's why, because that's why we hired you. <laughs> what else? What else has Swagger done besides run all the run? I don't think there's anything that we know over here. Look okay. at look like, at her. Look at Hallie real quick. She oh, looks like Madonna. Late. I was going to yeah. say there. There's. I, I thought it was someone. I didn't know that was Halle Berry. Yeah. The first time I watched the it. um, everything where they put the interesting like more Asian style eyes on people, I I think it looks interesting if not good. Uh, but most of the other like race bending makeups are less successful for me. Yeah, they're not all that successful. Yeah, I think you. I I think, and we can talk about that. I think you get away with the the people. You know, you can be like, well, they don't really look Asian, and you can kind of go, well, it's a few generations from now. You know, there was probably some mixing going on. We can say that that's what they look like. Yeah, that's but that's future, but that's so. also part of it's contingent in why they work is because it looks like an evolution. Yeah, as opposed to going you know back to. The time we were just at, you know, go to the 1800s, whenever the uh, Frobisher story happens and go, that woman does not look right. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine this if she's in the, you know, 35th century. But if she's in the 1900s, I'm like... I don't know. What's yeah, they try and same thing with the try and make uh, her look Caucasian, and she looks same a bit thing like with, with the uh, Asian lady and the hyper green contacts at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Just like, yeah, not passing. And, tr- and the freckles. They she try, has freckles. Yeah, they try to make it work. They try to do a little bit of digital massaging, and it didn't. Most of qu- the age stuff works pretty well. It though. didn't quite yeah. work, but I'm. I was. It's the kind of thing where I'm willing to go with it because I go, okay, that's what this movie is doing, and I'm going to. I'm going to treat that more like a stage play where it's like, I know that that's right. fake. That's clearly obviously fake. The red ribbon is blood kind yeah. of aspect. But I'm, exactly. But I'm, but I'm going to accept what I'm looking at as what it represents for the sake of the story. Because right. I'm it's willing a, to go with it. Yeah. It's, it's a suspension of disbelief as an agreements kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you're already really working your ass off to get my suspension of disbelief. So I'm going to cut you some yeah. slack on this corner and, here. And because, and because they were trying to do, I mean, they, they could just have cast a Caucasian person. They could, could just have cast an Asian person. And particularly in this, in the Neo Soul segments, there were a lot of people who, who were upset. And on paper, <laughs> yeah. I understand why you would be upset about that. Uh, why you would be upset about casting Hugo Weaving as a Korean character when there are so many Korean actors who, who need work. And it's like, okay, if that's all you hear, I get why you're pissed, but was, that's not what the movie's about. And if, you know, if that's not what the movie is doing, 
And if they had actually cast completely different people for that segment, it would be undermining the the theme of the movie, which is what I was just talking about with the Cloud Atlas, which is no matter what we look like, no matter what the time is, we are all the same. We're always going through the same experiences. And so to mix the the same cast over and over and, and mix and match genders and races and stuff like that, that's part of telling that story. And it would have been hurt by casting just for race. Wait, right. was there a, a backlash about that before the movie came out? Yes. There always oh, is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there definitely <laughs> was. And, and I think, I mean, they were they were upset because they saw it as a continuation of, of Last Airbender, which was whitewashing, you know, which whitewashed everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the backlash against Airbender, I think, is valid because there was no reason to recast the way they did. The backlash for against this is not valid, but they didn't know that because they hadn't seen the movie yet and seen that that was part of the whole story. Right. In the chat, they're pointing out that, first of all, uh, the guy's name is, okay, it's not Twiker, it's Tyquer, and Tyquer. it's actually closely, it, the most close pronunciation that I'm getting out of the chat from Swedish people is Tikva. Tikva. Yeah. Okay. So it's Tikva. I'm sorry. Foreigners, with no R's. I'm dyslexic. So Tom Tikva. Tikva. Well, we will pronounce it as we like. Yeah. What have we done? Lost a war or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who won Wait. that bloody war anyway? Okay. Thank yeah. you for the correction, though. Yeah. We're also so we're not doing that the whole time. Oh uh, yeah. Trapped Roll in an rent. elevator. We get it. Okay. Fine. <laughs> it's a different language. Trapped in an elevator with a sweaty Halle Berry, and he wants to talk about documents. Well, he's, he's gay. He's gay. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed. Oh, is this the same guy from the yeah. Frobisher story? Yeah. That's the guy. That's yeah. the thing. Oh, that's, he he just, just made that connection. Yeah, he's that, meeting her. He's meeting her for the second time. That's he, And that's why he recognizes the mark. Yeah, he's uh. not. And that's why he t- decides to trust her because the, oh. the, he connects to that mark. Yeah, don't um, worry. I didn't get that until they were saying that earlier. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah they are. Li- the, the fact that and this is this this is one of the only cases where this isn't a reincarnation. This is literally the same character from that period to this one, and that's why he has the letters, which is why she's reading Frobisher's letters because he was writing letters to yeah. him and he kept them. So does, they love letters. Does he in that moments have any inclination of the fact of the reincarnation? No, yeah, no. that's never a reincarnation. Just, but he, he recognizes well, the comet and he goes, "Hey, yeah. I've yeah, seen yeah. that." Well, he recognizes the, but I mean, in the this sense is, of this is the uh, the same set as the uh, Papa Song restaurant just redressed. So which they did, which awesome. which they you often do in movies, but they did it deliberately. Your mom is the same to, set as yeah. the yeah, just redressed. Yeah, here, yeah, here's uh, Tom Hanks doing this Kabuki moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's kind of like I, of I, all the characterizations he does in this movie. Like you said, this is the one where you kind of go, wow, right on the border on this one. Yeah, Tom. you, know, and you and look I, at him; I, you, he looks like he's about to crack up. Yeah, I don't, right on the, or, If anything, yeah. I think the uh, the hair is what's kind of dropping it. Like I think if he didn't have it, it would it would this would work a little bit better. Like mm-hmm. I get the look they're going for. And that's not the look they were going for, but I think going for this particular look actually takes a little bit of the legitimacy out of what it looks like. Mm. But it's just because his it's a very thick goatee for being such a thin goatee, you know? Like, that's a very, very thick line that's very thin of mm. hair. He's Iron Man. Yeah. So we we just saw Halle Berry. That is the one, uh, the one through line again is there. Is How many the, of the, the one through lines are there, Michael? <laughs> that, that, that it is the, the almost the one-to-one with the, the souls for... Um, for Tom Hanks and Halle Berry because they talk about on the behind the scenes, which is unfortunately very sparse. Um, kind of the making of content on on this, which 
you know, I guess makes sense. You're not going to produce a whole lot of stuff because this wasn't a cultural phenomenon or anything. But I was still disappointed there was no commentary or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, really. This is one of those movies where you go, I wish there was more smart science fiction. Well, if you go fucking see it in the theater <laughs> yeah. when they I like, make it. I like how one of Tom Hanks's ears is cauliflowered up. Mm. That's a nice touch. I didn't notice that. Well, he's supposed to be a boxer, right? Yeah. Or he, yeah. he gets in a lot. He got in a lot of fights. He's yeah. I just, I, just, I didn't. Yeah. I just took it to mean he's that he's been done a scrapping a lot. Boxer. Yeah. <laughs> but. uh you know, he sees Halle Berry across the room and the idea of the evolution, specifically of Tom Hanks' soul. It's like he's he becomes more of a good guy over time. He starts as a villain as Dr. Goose. And then he, uh, you know, in the 70s, he, he meets Halle Berry and she starts to put him on the right path. And right here, he sees her and it's like, oh, if he'd just gone over and talked to her instead of doing this, his whole life would have been changed. But this this <laughs> the life, movie would have been an hour yeah, shorter. This this lifetime sets him back, you know, and then it's finally they meet again in the far future and he finally makes the right choices despite his evil Jiminy Cricket over his shoulder but this is a, that this looks is, like Julian Higgins in the background doesn't it it, does. yeah, it does. right. but this is also contemporary so he yeah. you know he he the other guy well I guess the other guy's dead at this point but they had to have coexisted on the same timeline right Right so at how, some point, so yeah. How is he? How is he? Both both of them and making the, the the same decision. He could be in his. Well, he he could have been immediately reborn. You know, at that time, he's he could be in his thirties. He could be meant to represent it. The brutality of that moment. That's a, that's a, most falls off buildings. That and dread are the last yeah. movies of the last year that actually said that's kind of what happens when you fall off a building. Yeah, and it all is also interesting because this isn't a very. This isn't a very violent movie, and if it is at sci-fi violent, it's faceless people being shot by lasers and falling down. So in the few occasions where you get that outright brutality, it's interesting that it's Tom Hanks both times. He throws the dude off there, and you see it, and he fucking saws through a guy's throat, <laughs> yeah. and you see it like right in front, and both times... What was interesting to me about that was how shocking both of those moments are, because we talk about... Um, or, you know, people talk about being desensitized to violence and stuff like that. And yet. And they're both moments of violence that happen when he's like about to make, he's like, should I he's do this? He's about to make the right decision and he makes the wrong right. one. And it's so flagrantly the wrong one and so brutal. Uh, it, you're exactly right. But, but the idea that we're so desensitized to violence and yet in a movie, it's, it's all about context. It's all about what's around it. it. Because this movie is not a violent movie, those moments of violence can still be shocking, even, if we can watch, then watch a Saw movie and not be shocked by any of that because that's just the world that, that they inhabit, you know? Right. If you watch that shot of him sawing the guy's neck open as a gif, <laughs> you'd get used to it after a while. Yeah. Tom Hanks, no! <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd meet Tom Hanks in the street and you'd feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm sure you would be the only person in the world. <laughs> but what if you what if you didn't actually get used to it? What if you just sat there in front of your screen watching in horror? Yeah. Just like, Tom Hanks isn't stopping, Mom! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just slowly eroded your humanity. It's Jeff, by the way. But, uh, the, <laughs> it is not Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite to that was uh, on Twitter, someone responding. Yeah. They, they were like, yeah. it's pronounced Jeff, creator of the gif and then someone s says no it's not creator of the letter g <laughs> <laughs> the one i said what i saw that was i thought was funny it's like it's sad that the guy who invented the gif doesn't even know how to pronounce it <laughs> which is great but anyway uh but surely that gif is on buzzfeed somewhere already oh yeah they all are this is uh, where the movie suddenly turns into the big lebowski yeah. for a second and i was like oh, okay the pl right. the uh the and plunger shot is a, I think it's just a little hair too much it is well it's it's just really really funny that's, i mean it's really yeah. it's really slapsticky like the real yeah, the look on his face that he does with it. And Damn. Everything. And then suddenly this, and I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. what? 
This this is a hard whiplashing movie. If yeah. you're not right, you got to go limp, like you said. You got to just, <laughs> just go. Gotta, with it. You got to strap in, strap in, relax your neck muscles <laughs> yeah. as much as you can. The, the, the movie has thrown you off the building, and yeah. your best hope is to just yeah, just go to relax. Hopefully, someone will try to catch you because hey, free mannequin. Yeah. Took me a while to figure out what her thing was. Like I didn't know if she was like a replicant, sort of like robot-y thing, or what. Turns out, no. Yeah, they're clones. They're yeah. they're they're clones, but because they're clones, they're cons- they're essentially treated like re- yeah. which isn't that what replicants are? They're they're biological. Replicants are more mechanical. Bi- they're androids of some kind. It's oh, never specified, okay. but they. I thought know. I thought they were biological, but they were just engineered to they kind of expire are, they, after. Yeah, a while. I mean, I'm, I'm not a you know that hip on the technology because Blade Runner didn't really explain it. But the right. idea is that whatever, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's like whatever their origin is, they're considered machinery and property, yeah. and not people. Yeah. The the their, um, their product. The I guess that's that's a, a <laughs> fairly standard. Uh, well, if not standard, it's a recurring thing because uh, Battle Angel Alita is the same way. Battle Angel Alita is about a a uh, a biological machine. Basically, it's yeah. like she is she is constructed, but she is constructed completely of biological parts. She is not mechanical. Well, in it's, any it's way. an interesting. It's it's a thing that's coming up. In fact, uh, I was uh, plugging Orphan Black before we started referring. Orphan Black gets into that too, mm. and uh, you know, also you know, but RoboCop deals with it. You know, it's like RoboCop is, you know, RoboCop is like, well, he was a person, but now he's product. Now he's a machine, and we own him. And it doesn't matter if he has feelings; he's not supposed to, and so on. So, you know, RoboCop gets into that. So, that, and this, uh, you know, it's an issue that. You know, societally is going to become more and more as we yeah. start to, you know, people are patenting life, patenting life forms now. Yeah. And what if that life form is a human being? What's the, what are the implications of that? Yeah. And, or and what part if that of life form is 99.999% of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now that, and this is, you know, in, in the tradition of the best of science fiction, that's exactly what this story is about. This story is about, this is what happens then. You know, there's a, there's a, a funny thing that I hadn't noticed before, but the little soap packets, which nobody but the clones ever sees. They have the little nutrition facts, like labels on <laughs> yeah. them, as as part of the design. It's like, like that matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a great, very subtle gag that yeah. that um, is just you know slipped in there. So, I didn't realize that that was a uh, Hugh Grant there. On that yeah, one. there yep. is Hugh Grant again. That Hugh Grant as the, the oppressor. The girl who plays I keep Son me or Son yeah the, Son me. Uh, she's Son me. The other one is Yuna. Uh, no, but this the, is the, the, the the main girl through the storyline. It's on me, yeah. She's outstanding. Yeah, she kills this, and she's a she. She's I don't know her from anything else. I don't. I, you know, no, she's that. This oh, she was in all the other Papa songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And, and she's authentically Asian. So okay, <laughs> you know, there you go. She's not authentically white. So I will I, not have this in my movie. There was not a lot of outcry when they had her. You know, turned her into a white girl later. Like, hey, nope. you're taking money away from from. No, but but that's because they were just going off of. I heard that Hugh Grant plays a Korean, and that's yeah. fucked up. It's like, well, but she plays a white what, person, and then you know what fun this movie was. It, I mean, yeah. all these actors. I mean, they have and they have an amazing cast. I mean, Susan Sarandon is a supporting actor in this thing, and you know all these people. You know, He's but, big on putting things into his mouth, by the way. Yeah, oh, the that's, Hugh Grant that's kind of his little shtick that he does. Kind of yeah. thing. But what what fun? Like the actors must go. I, I get to do what in one yeah. movie? You know, I was like, I are you kidding me? Let's do this. Like when Appla- I w- apparently they were playing games on the set because they were shooting different things. They'd s- just see someone they'd never seen before walking by, and they try and guess who that <laughs> is was. That you again? <laughs> <laughs> the, what really blew what really blew me away is like when he's the um you know when he's the the blue man Terminator in the future scenes. You know, and I was like, well, I, I'm pretty sure Hugh Grant's never played a role like that before, <laughs> yeah. where he's like a full-on cannibal, lunatic, berserker of yeah. the of the alternate future. 
You know, it's like I, uh, about a boy. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically yeah, he's basically just doing a retread of his about a boy character. It's totally from the Englishman who went up a hill. Um, it's just he's phoning that one in. But uh, you know, Hugh Grant is just like, sure, yeah, I don't get that call a lot. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Yeah, it's like. You know, they're, they're like, Hugh, come for 1970s. <laughs> yeah. Stay. Stay for, stay for the, the post-apocalypse cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it terribly sorry? I would love to see some making of just to see that Hugh Grant's voice coming out of that character. Yeah. Let me just, I have a question about this. Just one thing. If I could just have a, just a bit of your leg there. When, when, I, when, I, when, I bite, when I bite into his neck, um, yeah. I just want, just to be clear, I just want to understand. Flip hair. <laughs> So in the uh I've I've mentioned it before on other commentaries or, or conversations. Uh well then shut the this fuck is up. A, yeah, <laughs> this is a this is this is a corporate controlled world. They even use the corporocracy word later. Um already. And they had uh oh, oh they've already used it then. Mm-hmm. Um and uh language has changed to the point where they, you know, uh um trademarks have become common speak so the same way we say kleenex to mean tissue for any handheld device in the book they say sony's for any movie they say disney's they didn't do that in this movie because they should have well they should it's have not a disney movie they should have but number one it's not a disney movie so they call them biddies <laughs> number two irony number two they got they got um you know they they got a uh, uh, product placement support from Samsung for that little handheld device that says Samsung right on it, so you can't very well go calling that a Sony. So they just refer to it as a Kino instead, and you lose. I, I I totally get why I, they had to do that, but yeah. you lose that aspect of it that I was one of the most fascinating things about the the um neo soul segment well i like the, the idea book. of that i like i think it's a very clever and funny idea but i think that would actually feel a little bit cartoony in the movie as made right like that would be like a level of like well that's th- that's a little bit more fifth element demolition man than the vibe of this future that we're looking at right to now. an extent yeah. yeah it's it's very much the the book is very much about creating the creating a the, by the way this whole the, set piece fucking rules yeah how much of this is a visual effect everything behind her right now pretty much yeah. like it looks it doesn't look What's fucked up is this does not look the- real at all, and yet it totally looks real. Right. Yeah. Like it's an it's an effect of something that should not be able to look real, and it does. Well, and that's a looks, really impressive thing to pull off. It looks real in the sense that it it looks like it looks like a holodeck. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it looks like uh the sky on a video screen wall. It doesn't look like the sky. It looks like right. the sky on a video screen wall, which is what you expect yeah, and to the see. The floor. The floor is amazing. Yeah. Ugh. Oops. It rhymes. Yeah. So this movie rhymes. They're becoming Lucas. Well, that well, well they did it right, though. That's <laughs> true, yeah. 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 The, the problem is not movies rhyming. The problem is saying that your movie rhymes when it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. And also, like, or- deciding things should rhyme after the fact, so that you orchestrate everything just to be the inverse of what already happened in a kind of controlled way. Yeah, exactly, way. for no reason. And 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 the inverse of the really lame stuff, <laughs> as opposed to so this, actual meaning. This section, this, uh, this is my favorite section of the yep. movie, just because... Um, as I've said many times, many other things. I really love a, a fully grow by law, a oh. fully a fully realized world, whatever that world is. And this this is such a wonderful, I think, fully realized 
you know, future after the fall, which is, it's literally called that, it's, right? Yeah. After the fall. This is after the collapse of civilization. And what's especially funny, and, you know, they, it's great because they don't make any comment on it, is just because the way it played out, you know, the Caucasians are the ones who live in, you know, the, the trees. Yeah. And the dark-skinned people are the ones who have all the technology now. Yeah. That's, so, just how, that's just how that one played out, you know, so. I love that about it, too. Exactly that. The first time you see, right. the first the first life for Halle Berry, she's, you know, on the ground, tattooed and, and exactly. confused by, you know, the, the, the white man and stuff like that and it's exactly the opposite here Halle Berry is the one helping the tattooed white frightened in the trees man you yeah. know get through Hugh the, Grant ladies and gentlemen Hugh Mike Frickin what's the deal Grant. with, the, with Hugh, uh, the Hugo Weaving devil thing in this that is that's a level of like the supernatural thing going on here that's a little bit weird there is some super well the thing it's funny you say that because I sort of feel the same way but at the same time it's like well there's all this business of reincarnation and stuff like that so the supernatural is woven into this well, the, but, but that's more I, but that's, this is I, I see this as an evil Jiminy Cricket I'm not sure yeah. that he's necessarily real so I totally, much as, I totally read this as Tom Hanks is mentally ill he's, oh, no. he's crazy yeah, good. Uh, you know and so he, that he's, he's mentally ill or that there's just a personification of a thought process yeah, exactly a pers- yeah. you know, he, he's, he lives in a superstition mindset and he yeah. has this you know these visions of you know this this devil that taunts him and you know it's, it's actually it's actually manifested man yeah. i wish my devil Gemini cricket was played by hugo weaving i yeah. would do all the wrong things well there is there is theory or i should say speculation of the fact that our a key part of our evolution was the ability to be schizophrenic right the yeah. ability to model other things or or other phenomena or even our, our ourselves as a kind of person that you could interact the, the with. way to un- the 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 ability to to understand the idea of an other yeah. as opposed to just yeah and, and the the ability to convert an abstract concept into an other that you could interact with right right then a general evolution of people into being mostly not entirely but mostly just religious people is um one half of that going away because you know when you talk to god that's prayer when he talks to you, that's schizophrenia. We're getting closer and closer to. <laughs> well, I mean that that, that literally is kind of an aspect of potentially an aspect of early human evolution. No, is, it's just really that's a fascinating thought. Yeah, it's like our uh, that literally the you know Moses or whoever might have actually been schizophrenic or one of the first schizophrenics and the people that hear voices. You yeah, know, and, yeah, and that was his best explanation or yeah. whoever's explanation. Moses was Steve Jobs, and that's how that began. Yeah, I mean, if you get. Some, some Not that Steve Jobs. I guess that, I guess that, that kind of makes sense because some oops. people, to, uh, you know, who who have those, and you know, if it's associated with migraines, there's such a thing as a silent migraine where it's like you just like see lightning in front of your yeah. eyes and stuff, yeah. and so it's like that actually would make sense. Like if Moses had those problems, he would totally see a burning bush and think it was talking to him. Yeah, you, you know, he could that that could have totally happened. So. Happened so, to Tom Hanks too. Yeah. <laughs> so as you were saying earlier, it's like what's what's so great about this is you know this this section doesn't come with a glossary. Yeah. Um, and it's all about how language has evolved and mutated, and and I, I didn't have any trouble following it. I really was. I thought it was a really well done where they they twisted it just enough. Now, see, she works here for me mm-hmm. because again, this is sort of you know a future. Yeah, world. that yeah. works. Yeah. But um, who Susan Sarandon or Halle Berry? That well, Susan Sarandon uh, isn't in the scene. The girl who played a Yuna. That's, oh, okay. that's, that's, that's the okay. Yuna. That's, that's yeah. the, oh, that was Susan Sarandon. All right. No, no, Susan Sarandon is the shaman woman who we'll see you're later. Right, you're right, you're face right, you're right. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I, I never had, I didn't have a problem following the, the future speak here. I really, I thought I really dug that you could. I think it's excellently written. I just had trouble yeah. like hearing yeah. him with the accent. You can, t- there's, there's Susan Sarandon. Yeah. You can totally, you can totally parse it. You can sort of go, okay, I get how that, you know, how that evolved and became the phrasing. Yeah, you you can slowly. How close is this to the book's version of this language? Oh, it like identical. 
actually. They they did a really good job of translating this. But but you know, th- think about how and ent- the entire middle section of the book was written in this language. <laughs> it is a very difficult it's segment like, to like read. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Even, even the even the stuff that wasn't dialogue, the actual yeah, narrative. Yeah, because he's narrating. Right. He is the narrator. So it's like he wrote this in I, the in the book. Has anyone gone through and like unlinked all of these things and then reordered them just so you can watch them as six, you know, six, six uh, concurrent movies? Uh, not yet. Not no, enough, consecutive. Not enough six people. Short films. Not enough people know about this movie to. I would be to, interested you know. to do that. Like I don't. I, not in terms of like now I'll understand it. Just I would be interested to watch each of them and see how they play out just as individual Give it the short memento films. treatment. Right. Yeah. Just go through and watch. You know, the future world, the new soul thing, all the way through, and this all the way through. I th- and I think what would be interesting. Surely, is that chapter search will do. They that would all. <laughs> yeah, they would all um hold up great. They're all perfect little short stories. I think, but maybe not. They are. That'd be interesting to find out. Well, because because. The the uh, um, they were originally written that way in the book. He he wrote each story individually to make sure it was a story, and then he chopped them in half and you know did his thing with. It. And they may have done it, you know, they may have done it, uh, you know, in in creating this. They may have done it like Lord of the Rings, where you know they actually Lord of the Rings they cut all the stories together and then figured out how to chop them up into the yeah. ultimate movie. That's good. Although in the in the script, it's chopped up pretty much like this. So they were even yeah. sort of they were definitely blueprinting it out um, right then. <laughs> she's, she's called the abbess yeah. which is such an archaic and, British term I love it's it. true it's true it's interesting etymologically linked to Abby right yeah it's, it's interesting in the things the they've so there's Sonmi there's Sonmi as, um, as now a god yeah the which choices. was really cool when they re- when they reveal that at the end of this story before you find out what's going to happen with Sonmi and, and New Soul and they like pan up to show you the statue and it's like dude yeah <laughs> Um, this, this moment is actually very important it was, was important for me right here where she, it's a close up and her eyes change color um, because you see her just doing the, you know, type of thing and you go, well, maybe she's not a thing. Yeah. Maybe she's just, you know, she's superstitious. They're in a superstitious world. She believes she has these powers. And of course she's doing this. She's thing, like any palm reader. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then that happens and you go, okay, in this world, this is real. Right. This is actually happening. And that is a very important thing to clarify, um, to, a, to a viewer. I mean, I mean, some viewers may what have is just real? accepted it. She has these abilities. Yeah, she has the abilities for to the the augering is a real fake thing. psychic not... eyes don't change color. Yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> exactly. You're you're saying the part that's important is that she is psychic and she is giving him information that she well, has a real connection. She's that, giving that him a real. Some, there, yeah. there is something genuinely supernatural as opposed to she's a fraud. Whether she feels she's a fraud or yeah. not, well, right? There is a genuinely supernatural element involved. Yeah. But when she gives him his like cool little life poem, that's legit from this guy's. Follow the rules of the life poem yeah. stuff because you, it checks out because she's from- you want to you want to understand that and also just it it cues you like you said to the idea that this is a movie where the supernatural is a thing yeah and, and, it, does, and, and it, so it, it comes up what you know yeah. what she what she just told him is going to happen and he's going to take her advice and, and yeah. do what she said this so. guy looks cute no matter what you do to him yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> even when although he's- what's funny in the original trailers I thought. Wow, they made Tom Hanks look weird. Yeah, a lot of people think this is somehow Tom Hanks, which is like, no, it's not quite that. Yeah, Tom Hanks isn't in this story yeah. uh, that that I can think of. He's not in the Neo Soul story. He's in all the other ones, but it's not in this one. What the fuck, Hanks? But if the story, if the overall story is like you were saying earlier, if you as much as you can nail it down to one, is about him, 
How does this piece of the well, timeline? This, this piece it? of the this timeline explains why the world fell apart. Yeah, this piece of the timeline is important. That's exactly right. And this piece of the timeline is important because Son because Sonmi becomes his god later. Sonmi is is his inspiration later, and and is the kind of the final piece of the puzzle. And and the and the irony is oh no, he does appear in this one. He's Cavendish in he the is. Cavendish movie. Yeah, he 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 is he that's inspires right. her, he inspires and then her. she later inspires him. That's that's the connection. She okay. rhymes. Yeah, it rhymes. It's I love old sailing ships. Yeah. I, for, I, I forgot the little... Jim Broadbent uh, again. Okay, hold on. Around the room. Which is your favorite Jim Broadbent? Of all of the Jim Broadbents. <laughs> so many to choose This from. guy gets very little screen time, but he might be my favorite. If it's not him, then it's the uh, composer. But <laughs> Vivian Ayers is pretty good. Yeah. This is my favorite Jim Broadbent. The One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is pretty high up there. But fun. Jim Broadbent just belongs on a tall sailing ship. So He does. He's, he's looks You good. can't say that about everyone. Uh, what's your favorite Tom Hanks? Hmm. I gotta get ah shit. I, I like I like post apocalypse Tom Hanks. Yeah. I really yeah. do. That's a that's a that's an amazing. Uh, for me, it's a tie yeah. between him and uh, the thug Tom Hanks, and for totally different reasons. Like I think the I think the character he plays in the like after the fall short story is really compelling and really really well performed and just like classically great Tom Hanks stuff. But also, it's just really fun to watch Hanks do that fucking accent. So mm-hmm. that yeah. fucking accent. Um, yeah. It's, this is my favorite version of him, though, because he's pretty. So, so there's where he ran into he he uh, only got the first half of the story, which um, in the behind the scenes, and I I thought this was so cool because I I was like, this is kind of like there's a book called If on a Winter's Winter's Night a Traveler by Italico Calvino, um, which is just the first <laughs> half. It's just the first half of stories. The the story is about it's 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 a really fascinating like experimental book. It's written that was a great transition. Oh, fantastic, beautiful. It's it's written as it's written in the second person for most of it. It's talking about how you are really excited to read the latest Italo Calvino book, If on a Winter's Night a Traveler. It's this weird meta thing. And it's like and then you go to the store and you buy it and you take it home and you begin reading. And then the next chapter is the first uh, you know the first part of a of a book. Uh, the first part of a story and then the chapter ends and it stops and it goes back to this narration where it's like but you, you're reading it but the rest of the pages are, are blank or something like that and, and so you go back and you return and you get another uh you get another book and you begin reading but it's a different story and like so apparently there's this there's this you try to read you're trying to read this book and it's just the the beginning of like all these different short stories all the these book is trying stories. to tell you about it's the beginning of all these stories but the, it, you you never get to a conclusion and and it it you never get any payoff from it it's just this this weird idea of starting to read something but then failing to be able to read it and do you, are you going to create your own story from that are you going to figure out what happens are you just going to sit there frustrated what are you going to do is the whole book written in second person no, no, just the, just the little just the interstitials part, right. of you trying to read this book. What, what is the name of this book again? Uh, if on a winter's night, a traveler. I'm gonna find. This I read that I because I um the the uh, I I read another book of his called Cosmic Comics, and then I I was like, what else has this guy written? And if on a winter's night, a traveler. There's so a, I, wait, there's um, a, real quick though on the subject of the weird person usage in novels. There's a book called And Then We Came to the End, which is written entirely in I think fifth person. Huh. And if the book is called And Then We Came to the End, uh-huh. to give you an idea of what fifth person sounds like, <laughs> it is interminable. <laughs> it is just like, I stopped caring on like the second page. Fifth, yeah. fifth person is just the plural second person? First person. First person. First person plural. First person. I guess, yeah. yeah. So that's probably fourth person, I guess. We're gonna that's, go that's fourth or fifth. Or say, I don't know. Triple but, agent? Yeah. But um, the... So, so 
I was kind of reminded of that watching this, especially when he got to the mid- midpoint of the book and couldn't find the rest. I was like, oh, it's that fucking book that I read. Um, and then watching the behind the scenes, that is exactly what inspired the, the novelist to do it. He was like, I read that book and I was so frustrated by not getting the end of the story. So I was good. So I wrote a book where that happens to you, but then you get to read the last half of the stories. <laughs> I think this is my. My favorite Hugh Grant characterization. <laughs> yeah. Just like he's like he's like a cracked out Roger Daltrey. <laughs> Tommy, can you hear me? But uh, just he's just this unsavory like. Just, it, it works. I mean, it works in, in this uh, in this setup. It's weirder when he lies down for the actually the same reason the uh, Fox autopsy alien kind of right. yes, was kind yes, of weird. Yes, when he leans down, yeah. the wrinkles are just kind of like going straight down towards his chin. Yeah, it's yeah. like whoa. Yeah, but when little... he's standing up in the sun, kind of far away with sunglasses on. Totally works. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Didn't know it was him until later. It's true. If he, f- it does. Oh, and there's that's Frobisher. That's the the guy who plays Frobisher yeah. right Hello. there. Oh, he's pulling that off. Yeah, he yeah. is. Actually. Told you he was a pretty man. So there's uh, Nick Benedict Cumberbatch. And there's ki- there's kind of a fun thing with uh, um, they they make the point about in the 1939 storyline, you know, Frobisher and and heirs have this kind of sort of weird love affair and then in this world they found each other again and also had this kind of weird love affair in in the backstory. Oh, I get it now. So. I get something that I didn't get earlier now. Now. Now I got something. Look at his mustache. Get out of here. <laughs> now does the the slave character have any analogs in any of the other versions? He, uh he's he's, he's the doctor guy? in the uh, in the present. Not uh, really. I don't know. I was just No, well, in <laughs> the uh, in the 1970s story he is the kid. No. Damn it! He is. He's <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? He's Halle Berry's father. He's the father oh, that okay. she talks so about in the father. pictures. Okay. Um. So in pictures, he's that, and then in the far future stuff, he is Halle Berry's commander. He's the he's the top of the food chain. In, oh, okay. In there the very go. future right, stuff. Fair enough. So that's. So how can you tell who his... anyone is in the middle of the story if everyone's starting on one end and going to the other? Everyone's <laughs> in, in the middle. They should all just high five. Like everyone's. Boom, yeah, we like all suck. Passing each other on the trip. Hey, we're all in the center now. <laughs> We're all in the middle class. Hugh right Grant now. never has like well, spiritual is. comeuppance. Like he's always kind of a bastard throughout the whole thing. He is. Well, he gets fucking killed at the end of his whole thing. He gets killed <laughs> pretty ugly. But he's coming back. He probably is. Be a yeah. bastard. Oh. He's gonna run a Burger King somewhere in Van Nuys. Well, <laughs> yeah. Cloud Atlas Two is his, you know, multi generation. <laughs> two Cloud Two Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hysterical. You see him. He follows up being a murderer, <laughs> being a really obnoxious manager of a Burger King on Van Nuys Boulevard. I hate that guy. I don't even go there anymore, man. Halle, Halle Berry's trying to run the cash register going, jeez, get off my back. I go four miles away to get to the other Burger King because I hate that guy so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so here we're about to see him. Uh, so again, they they put him right next to each other. I did to, not to catch help that. make that point. So there he is. Oh, didn't okay, notice. Holy yeah. shit. Obviously the I same guy. I didn't catch it either. I was too, you know, smitten with the cool effect. Yeah. But again, if you're not, it, but that's good. It's good that it doesn't yeah. necessarily call again. A it's ton like of attention if you're spending itself. that much time analyzing it, you're not really rolling with the movie. Which yeah, is a, and it's it's a risk. That's something you want to you want to you want to pick out on your second view. It's a it's risk not, with this know. kind of movie because the movie, of course, you can't help but want to do that when you yeah. realize what the movie's doing. You can't help but right. want to keep oh there he is again, there he is again. Okay, but that takes you right out of the movie. So it's a really hard line to walk when you're making a movie. Yeah. So I know the point of the movie isn't this and it's far from it, but I still want to understand it to the best of your abilities. What <laughs> is the story of the universe, of the world, as of the after the fall storyline? They're on a different planet. Yeah. They brought ships. There were cities on that planet that fell a long time ago, so they clearly came eons ago. There's 
There's an echo, well, by the way. He, he and his... No, on the other city, they, they, the fall is on our planet. The very end is oh, after yeah, they've is, been is picked where, up. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, right, right. The fall is on our planet. Then that's they the get Oblivion on the planet. Right, that's right. where we all went later. Okay. Yeah. So what ha- do we know anything about the fall? What happened after Sunmi's... Like, I guess... Not specifically. I, so no. I guess at some we point... Just know just oh, shit, but the last thing that happens is the architect says, so how do you know anyone will believe this truth anyway? And she says, someone already does. And then he goes, you got me. Yeah. So the archivist is... The implication the implication there is that he went off and had a whole movie that he was awesome in yeah or, or at least or at least was part of you know the the re- the revolution didn't end just because sonmi was killed yeah clearly clearly it, it just began it got bigger because she became godified yeah. yeah although between like when he when uh broadman is breaking out of the house and he makes the whole Soylent Green is people thing, which was kind of a weird moment, but it was funny, so I, I went with it. I was like, no, no, no. And then they make and, the Soylent Green and, thing right at the yeah. And then when they go like hard Soylent Green at the end of this movie, like <laughs> yeah. straight up, like that's not the point, that's not the reveal. It's just, that's what happens in one of these stories. I'm like, you're, that, that, well, I feel like that's a cool enough idea that we should play with it more and see what other stories we can tell with that idea, but still it's like iconically Soylent Green. Like it's like, if they, well, was, if they were hanging a lantern by having Kevin yeah. just say it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, really, you know, I, what's here's what really weird. I didn't even make that connection. That, you know, the, <laughs> so only green. I thought it was only green. Oh, funny line. Like, you know, a guy, right. a guy of that he's era like, would say, like you trying know, to tell them, oh, your they, lives. The, you, the you don't know. They actually do use that plot point. We're like, oh, I didn't even get that. <laughs> but the Soylent green. It's just such a weird. It, uh, it's a it's a it's a meta concern about movies, not a problem with this one. It's just I wonder, like simultaneously it's so iconic and so clearly that you can't even do that without thinking so only green is people only green is people yet on the other side it's a cool idea that's been dramatically underused for that reason because it's so hard to detach it from Soylent Green. Like it's, I don't think it's fair that Soylent Green has the status, but I think <laughs> it does. So it's sort of weird for this movie to go Soylent like, Green locked it down. So what we do yeah. is we uh, take all these clones and we grind them up yeah. and we feed them to more clones. So yeah, right here Hugo Weave, uh, Hugo Weaving is not evil yeah he's not but he may but he does make the (laughs) he just has a hitler mustache yeah Yeah. but he well he's from germany and he does make the he does make the statement he's like people of our age have no business having such wild ideas or whatever he's about to say so there is still thematically the idea of uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't try to disrupt the status quo there bro i mean he he's he's not pushing it as hard as he does in other ones he's he's not killing people for it but he is he is a roadblock but at the but at the same time he also uh you know, they they make the point that uh, you know he was in love with with uh, the uh, Halle Berry character, but she's a Jew, and he goes, "Do you not know what's going on in Germany right now?" Um, and so there's a a hint of that coming up. So he is part of that world, and he has chosen. It it is worth noting that he has chosen to remain a part of that world as opposed to breaking away from it and being with the woman he. I was going to say, Broadbent is such a bastard in this age, and he's never a bastard anywhere else. But then I was like, no, wait, he's doing it too. Because in the farthest back stories, he's a total asshole, and yeah. then he's just getting less and less dickish until in like the modern one, he is just sort of ineffectual, yeah. and wimpy. But well, eventually, he, he, he becomes, makes his own. He becomes oppressed himself and yeah. rebels against it. Yeah, and then uh, the the only time you see him in the final one, I think, is just in, as a in a moment. He's one of the press. He's one of yeah. the people that are there. And on he's the ship. he's the uh, he's little violin man in Neo Soul as well. So he. Yeah. So he's a, so he's the idea is he's advanced. He's become enlightened. Yeah. And become one of the chosen people. Yeah. Well, that's. Are we talking about the character or just Jim Broadbent? I mean, the ca- well, we're talking about. No, I'm in, saying that Jim Broadbent has been oppressed, overcome, and now he's enlightened. <laughs> Jim Broadbent, Michael. They, yeah, it'll happen. Those he eyes. Was, he was in Moulin Rouge. Those eyes. They see into you. 
Um, but that is certainly I, and I didn't even really think about that. But that is basically it. It's it's the the uh, you know his the Jim Broadbent soul finally reaches enlightenment, so he gets to stand with the prescience. Started as well, very yeah. Jim Narrowbent. That. Come on. And also, give me one of these. <laughs> if if you'll stop, <laughs> we'll give them to you if you stop. <laughs> then that one was great. <laughs> They're all good now and in the future. Yes. In all your future lives, in all your past lives. Tom Hanks fucking sells this, and so does Allie. Like, this is weird shit, and they both own it. I was actually really... It's funny because it's, like... I don't know. I I feel like it's condescending, like him being like she's really articulate, and that's not what I'm saying. But just and it's not because she's very clean. Yeah, no, but and it's not (laughs) well spoken. It's 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 as an it's not a and it's not a race thing. It's an actor thing. It's like an actor that good. I'm always surprised when they're good in sci-fi stuff. It's again. Wait, why? Weirdly, when they're when they're like when she was talking to the little Orison thing, and then she swipes her hand and then snatches it out of the air. I'm like. She sells that so well. Yeah. And I'm like, there are so many actors who wouldn't do that. And I feel like the, I feel like really good actors would be, would be more, um, so there's the, the echo there's of the that. There's the train in the same, yeah. uh, the train. And, uh, good actors would be more self-conscious in, in a situation like that. Aware, you know? like, are aware you thinking like the, Tom Hanks, for instance? Well, yeah, just, just, a, just aware of the, the artificiality of what they're doing and being like, I'm doing something really silly. I, and it's I don't all really about committing. It. It's yeah. totally about committing to yeah. it. I also don't know if that's necessarily as true as it, Used to be in the past. It's not. I think I'm. I think I've still got that. You know. Yeah. Right. I, I was. I'm from another time. That seventies where you where you get Alec Guinness to do your shitty little sci-fi yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, because he needs the money or whatever. I mean, yeah. that's again. It's part, we all have George's PTSD about that. It's one. partly because you know these movies are more common and and so on. But but we've said we've talked before about how these movies are almost always elevated tremendously when a really high class actor is willing to be in it and take the risk and go, okay, I mean, this is some nutty stuff I'm going to yeah. be doing, but I'm going to completely bring my entire tool set to it yeah. and I'm going to commit to it. And, you know, so you end up with, I think, you know, we have we have actors who repeatedly do it, which yeah. is interesting. You know, this is a lot of actors who haven't done these kind of movies much are, are doing them in this movie and that's great. Um, but one who, like, clearly is willing to do it, um, I always think about Naomi Watts, <laughs> who, you know, it's like, King Kong has some great effects, but if Naomi Watts didn't carry that movie, that movie would have been awful. Mm-hmm. But she completely, completely makes that movie work because she committed to it. And you have to, you have to put yourself, you know, into her mindset. Like, okay, I'm going to spend six months in New Zealand talking to a guy on a stepladder on a green screen and <laughs> I hope this looks good. Yeah. And I hope I don't look like an idiot. And, you know, you have to, the commitment required from that, like, you know, I could be doing real movies, but I'm going to choose to do this instead yeah. is, you know, and so well, again, I don't know if that's a, the greatest example because nowadays, well, now well, right off Lord of the Rings. Certainly, well, cause yeah. In King Kong, it's immediately after return of the King winning best picture. I, yeah, but no, it was immediately after lovely bones tanking. Um, but it's always a risk. I mean, you know, it's like, not every Spielberg movie has been a gem. Not every Wachowski movie has been a gem. There, you know, it's it's not it's not guaranteed. You know, you have to you it's it's again you have you have to commit no matter what. You yeah. can't you can't half ass it. And this movie especially, where the, <laughs> yeah. what in the hell are we even doing? <laughs> the fact that all these actors, you know, just the the one thing you have to say for it is these actors completely went for it. Yeah, and and, they, and, and, and you know the the movie wouldn't be what it is if they hadn't. Yeah, and I think I think importantly, I think all of these actors. You can tell they all get what they're doing too. Yeah. There was no one on the set going, "I don't know, <laughs> I'm I'm really not sure why yeah. we're doing this." But you can absolutely see like, that. I mean, that's, and that's the yeah. other half of it. Like you were saying, is yeah, there there is a level of sometimes you'll see an actor who like, well, I see your performance, but I also don't 
see you really inhabiting this world that the movie says you're in. Yeah. And Lovely Bones came out after. Okay, King there Kong, you go. So, but still uh, again, you know, Peter Jackson's not necessarily a guarantee of quality. But even, like I said, well, Lord of the Rings, also a big risk. Huge, um, yeah. You know, to, to go, really? We're going to, okay, wow. You know, boy, I sure hope this isn't bad. But I think, I don't, I don't think, you know, there's no guarantee. It's like just because you're doing the next movie from a guy who made a big movie doesn't mean it's going to be a great movie. No. And especially if it's a weird movie that where you have to make some weird choices and do some weird things. Um, I think every actor, I mean, that's, you know, that's what they always talk about to directors is like, you know, the one thing you, you have to do is make sure the actors always feel like you're going to be safe. What yeah. you're doing, yeah. you're not going to look like an idiot. Tr- you have to trust me on this. Sometimes it's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a complete lie. But, uh, you know, you have to at least, uh, try and make them feel like, like, you know, so they, so they feel like they, they feel comfortable and, all right, I'm going to go flat out and I'm going to stand on a beach in Maui and wave my hand and you're going to put some space age thing in there and it's going to look like it made sense. Okay. Yeah. It's going to look like I was doing something. I trust you. I wave my that. hand like an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Because a lot of, especially when you're dealing with effects, like no matter how cool it is at the end, on set it looks retarded. Yeah, almost always because you can't. If you're not seeing what's there, it's like he's just flipping out for no good reason. It's like no, but but the Hulk is gonna be pounding on him later. He's <laughs> yeah. gonna be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we did we um passed by a bit one of the they them using uh the the editing. Where I, I, which they do, um, when, when they're editing very quickly, they're really trying to make a point, but between the stories, they're really trying to make a point of this is something that happens at all times. Yep. Frobisher experiencing his own music and becoming fascinated by it. (laughs) This dude's good. Yeah. Do we, do we want to talk about how each, uh, there's a specific work from each time period that becomes referenced in the next one? Yeah, have we, have we, have it we is. Yeah, there's, it's, it's, there's an element of, it's Specific, the, but specifically there, that there's there is some work of art, whether it's Frobisher's music or the movie or, or the, the diary, the diary that. Well, well, yeah, but exactly, yeah. it's it's this this is a story in a way, and and something that that I loved about it as I was watching it. This is a story about telling stories, and that's yeah. what the that's what the book was originally about. When he um when he wrote the book, he wrote them. He was going through the the ways that we tell stories so the first one is someone writing a diary and then it's someone writing letters and then it's an airport novel in the in the 73 and you know uh, and someone writing his memoirs and by the end you get back at the end of it all you get back to where we started which is telling a story around a campfire yeah you know and uh uh, it's very much the same thing in in this movie and and in in a weird way it's like you wouldn't (laughs) this is a dangerous scene to shoot yeah wow in a, in a, you wouldn't think that it would it would translate well to the screen, but at the same time it does because they're able to go. Okay, this this is the range of movies that we make. This is the way that we this tell is the range stories. of stories that we tell. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. the range of stories that we tell in movies, and so each one is its own distinct. You know, the the nineteen seventies thriller segments feel like a thriller from the from the nineteen seventies. Yeah. Not just taking place there, they feel like that kind of movie. You know, and the the sci fi movie, obviously, I mean. The fact that the Wachowskis, it, it's great because it's like, well, they invented what sci-fi is now <laughs> in, in movies yeah. in a lot of ways. So it's great that they're able to come back to it and bring themselves to it and go, okay, now we're making a sci-fi movie. Well, we kind of know how to do that. And so they're, they're able to do that and then, you know, come to this, which is a very, ultimately, 
this is like an extremely low budget segment. Aside from when they're co- going up the mountain and you see the, uh, you know, the cloud atlas, uh, the, the satellite station is apparently also called the cloud atlas. Um, but otherwise it's, you know, just people in, <laughs> yeah, really. in, in beads and, it's and dirt. Yeah. But Although it's uh, presumably Hawaii, so it's expensive to shoot there, but, um, these are, I mean, it's still, it's complicated. I mean, you, you know, you, it's meant to take place in Hawaii. I'm not sure they actually shot there. Yeah. But. You can't, you can't, uh, so there's Halle Berry there's Halle as Berry, well, by the again, way. Again, as Dr. Dr. Lau there. Yeah. With, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, what am I playing this time? Really? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I, I, I buy Jim Sturgis in the Asian makeup. I maybe yeah. don't buy him as Asian, but I buy him as that person. Well, I like, don't see out, makeup. Out of all of the cross, uh, ethnicity, Makeup, I think that's the most successful. Yeah. Oh, look, she bears the mark. Yep. Mm. She bears the mark, but it was it was hidden and suppressed yeah. by the collar. And they just revealed the symbolism. They revealed that Jim Broadbent also has the mark. It's just that they haven't really, you know, he's he's also the yeah. comet, comet person. He's got the mark. But they, they only they reveal it as a young man, so yeah. it's it's slipped by. But yeah, he. I mean, he's making a uh, he makes a point here. It's like. The idea, and this, this is interesting because he, he brings up in an inverted way, he brings up this idea of, of privilege. Like she's coming down and she's like, no, I've got the prime directive. He's like, yeah, yeah but we're people. Yeah. <laughs> and, was, and you're, and you're basically oppressing us by not helping when you can. That was a great little you know? throwaway up there. I mean, and they're it, being oppressed by the Kona. Of yeah, course, exactly. But. The Kona, which, you know, but great coffee. Shame. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's the fact that she goes, you know, the, again, just as it worked in the conversation there. She goes, I can't go be playing Lady Sonmi to everybody yeah. who's got a problem. You know, it's like the fact that they haven't connected that dot yet, but the idea of, you know, it's like they're, they're laying the, the groundwork for you to go to, Sonmi is going to somehow become the god of this, of this world. Yeah. And actually, earlier, um, this was a funny thing that I hadn't picked up on, but, but it's, it's great the way they, you can, you know that the Wachowskis are this way because of the stuff that happened in the Matrix and especially the Matrix sequels, but fortunately it's not all in your face like it was in that in, in terms of them being, you know, create, like, they think very deeply about what they're doing. Yeah. So, like, when she pulls out the Bible, she's like, mind the words of Sanmi, and she pulls out the thing. They were, they, they were like, okay, so for that book, and you only see it for like a second, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but if you look at it, the book is actually made of, they're those, they're, they're the like collars. Drawings. No, they're the collars pounded out. That's what the covers are. They're the collars of the, of the, uh, the, the, uh, I can't remember what they're called. The, uh, the replicants. Yeah, the, the clones. Uh, the, the clones. Yeah, I can't, suddenly I can't remember what they're called. Fabricants. The, their, their fabricant collars pounded out flat. So all of the fabricants took off their collars and pounded <laughs> them out to make the book of the, like this little Bible. Yes. And the pages are made from those clothes they wear. And then, you know, the stitching, that's where the, it's like the, the throne of swords words it's came like, from. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the, the Iron Throne. Yeah. And, uh, they were talking about that in the behind the scenes and the, the author sitting there with them. It was a little round table. He's like, what? Jesus. <laughs> He's what? like, yeah. And it's there for like 30 frames <laughs> like, see that that's good because as, as we talked you about wouldn't before, notice it unless you, it's yeah. important as we talked about before it's important to do that level of work yeah. to make something yeah. really great because it but feels, it's also important not to show all of that yeah. work or to to it had to feel like you have to explain all yeah, yeah to take the time to explain every bit of detail but, like. but that's part of like what trey said this world feels fully realized yeah. i like this a yeah. little bit you the, know with the, the fact yeah that you know the witch the, doctor even this is the again the production design that you know the, when the you can there's some movies um john carter where production <laughs> designers are just not 
on, on board with what the hell's going on, you know, and they go, here's a spacey suit of armor. It's like they live on a desert planet. <laughs> Where does white fur come from? Okay, I guess it comes from the white apes, maybe, but why do you have a piece of fur hanging off your shoulder? As opposed to this one where, you know, the fact that the glass is all, you know, the, the windows are old bottles, you yeah. know, just, just that, just the, you know, that kind of level of, of how would they make glass? They can't make glass, but there's going to be so much glass laying around because <laughs> this is after the fall of civilization. So they would repurpose it. You know, everything they drink from are old glass bottles that are clearly being reused. You know, just that, you know, when everybody making the movie, whether it's from the director and producers on down who are communicating the message or everyone is figuring it out for themselves, hopefully every department goes, you know, hopefully in an ideal world, the prop department was the one who said, what if the Bible was made of no. like collars? Because we got, because we made 10,000 collars. I've got 10,000 <laughs> collars back in my room that we're not using. What if they, what if they beat their, like literally turn their collars into the Bible and I've got more of that fabric and, and, and the, you know, as a director, that's when you want to go, oh my God, you should totally do that. Yeah. I will absolutely get a shot of that. Um, so wherever the idea comes from, and that's, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about movies is, as people say, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a misapprehension that people are like, well, the director just decides everything, yeah. you know, even to the point of like forgetting that there are such things as writers. Um, you know, wherever the ideas come from, and ideally you've got as a director, it, it didn't come from you. You were just the one that said, that's awesome. We should totally yeah. do that. You're right. We should absolutely yeah. do that. The, the the director doesn't have to have the best ideas. He just has to be the one to re- or she he has, to, has to be the one to the recognize idea. them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, it, it's this is just a movie where you know, however it all fit together, everyone was doing their job really, really well, and it comes together in in so many great ways. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's really amazing the the, I mean, you've got you've got six separate stories. You've got two separate units, and they're all doing their own style. In, in terms of the, the, you know, the time period and stuff like that. And yet, you cut between them and you still, you don't feel like you're cutting between different movies. They are all taking place in the same movie and you can tell. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, and I, I, this is my third time watching through this movie and I still don't quite understand how they made that work. <laughs> yeah. I don't under, I don't quite know how they did that. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing that I learned from this movie. If you take Hugo Weaving and you put him in drag, he turns into <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people know that. Yeah. That's what happens. Nurse Noakes. Nurse Noakes. You do not wish to, cross, not me. Wish to cross me. You're going for walkies. No. And apparently, it's it's interesting because I mean they did a really good job because I can't tell. Apparently, they did some like digital enhancements because I guess putting the putting Nurse Noakes makeup on Hugo Weaving kind of puffed him out too much, yeah, so they like depuffed so. him a little bit. But um, yeah, you can't tell. It still looks like you know. So this the biggest is, giveaway is just how big his mouth looks yeah, in that makeup. Exactly. Yeah. Here's I. There's that one shot is like so important to the entire rest of this storyline. The one shot of him looking her up and down. Um, the Joe whatever um his name is um, Napier. Is it Joe? No. Um, I'm trying to think of the guys. The, his act, the actor. David name. something. Uh, um, Keith, Keith David, David. Keith. Keith David. Oh, Keith David. Yeah. Um, uh, no, David Keith. David Keith. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keith. <laughs> Keith, Keith David, David Keith David. He and Chad Peter have to get that out. And figure <laughs> out some last names can be. But yeah, that, just just that quick little shot of he's introduced to her and he doesn't do a thing, but there's just a quick little flick of the eyes, and it's like, oh, that's so important later when he, he's he sizes her up and decides she is worthy right in that moment. Well, also he, he's going to be real later that he knows who she is because yeah. he worked with her dad. So, well, like, that's that's the sizing her uh, sizing yeah, her up. Like, that he's like, doing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're going to be like your dad. I guess I'll maybe look out for you. Yeah. 
I do. I do enjoy the uh, the difference between <laughs> I love the, the look on <laughs> yeah, so just, There's a little uh huh. Aren't you outraged? Yeah. What? Hey, and I and I love how he's playing it, where you're like, I totally see where he's coming from, and I totally see how she thinks he's a crazy old yeah, man exactly. who needs to get back to his room. <laughs> like, it's like he hasn't been. This is this is kind of a even though this, this section is all played for huge comedy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. It's the broadest. It's the broadest. It's the broad bentest. Broad bentest. <gasps> no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It had to be had to be in there somewhere. If I can't, you can't. <laughs> is is there is still an element of horror of you know and and. It actually kind of comes from real life in, in a little sense. That, you know, imagine if you were like, you know, an older person. I don't have any trouble imagining me being an older person. You know, there's <laughs> going to be a point when you know, you can't really quite handle life anymore and someone's going to want to put you in one of these places and chances are you're going to go, I don't know. No, 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 no. This, this is awful. This sucks. It is not that bad. And want to rebel against that, you know, and, and this, if it's a bad kind of a place. If it's a nice place, well, hey, why not? You know, I'd move there now if it was guaranteed to be nice. But if it's a little bit more like a prison for old people, yeah. you know, this, that's pretty horrifying to, you know, to think about. And it's part of life. Yeah. That, that, you know, eventually, we, that's, that's, that's how it is in our society. In our society, in the future world, they'll look back on our society and go, so the really tra- real tragedy of, of life in the 21st century was you only had two options at the end of your life either die or go to old people prison yeah that was it um the uh the reference to solzhenitsyn i've heard i'd heard the name before but i'm not really familiar with that i didn't read a lot of russian literature or anything mm-hmm. like that but that is a, a, a relevant solzhenitsyn uh, is a famous reference. russian prisoner he was yeah. you know he wrote he was held prisoner for years Who, and years who's because for yeah. speaking out against tyranny and oppression yeah exactly which is and then, part of the theme of the, the the entire thing of this movie is is standing up to tyranny and oppression. So we just passed the Soylent Green as people. Yeah, the Soylent Green. Now, have you seen, literally, just in the past week, there literally is a, pro- a product now called Soylent yes. that is about to be marketed. They actually just... Way to think Why ahead, do guys. they do that? They actually just... <laughs> well, this is that. that is just a guy. Like He's a software engineer in... The Bay Area. Who needs like, to see more movies, clearly. Well, who's just... <laughs> or needs to see fewer. Yeah. Who's, really. who's bad at branding. But yeah, exactly. The actual product seems interesting. It's like we've just come out with a new uh, all-electric car. It's called the Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I remember there was a... Uh, There's they, Solzhenitsyn for you. Uh, yeah. And and he wrote, apparently, he wrote the Gulag Archipelago. Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. Complete yeah. works banned by unanimity because yeah. that's the kind of shit he talked about. Exactly. And she, ins- she helped to inspire her. Um, so here's Susan Sarandon coming up in a second here when she starts uh, using the, the thing. Would you guys, if you had the option to have animated, literally have animated wallpaper, would you have it? Yeah. I can't even like it. It has to be something phone. like this. I think I yeah. can. It has to be something like this that's, in fact, maybe even calmer than that. Like, I think that would be distracting. Yeah. I think it would have to be very subtle. I wouldn't yeah. want to have, like, you know, explosions. I wouldn't want to have out. Speed Racer on my wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, shit. But like, <laughs> like you can't even walk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like Vertigo. something like maybe the background of these shots where it's like a meadow and you see the things blowing, but that's it. But if somebody inv- if somebody comes in, that your her home, the goatee? Yep, that was her as the uh, as the <laughs> Indian professor, as Susan Sarandon. Just somebody comes just into your home, and you could have a special like epileptic, you know, anime yeah, exactly. thing loaded on panic button. Frobisher. <laughs> The cabin Briefly. boy. Like, as the cabin boy, yeah. Wait, wait. That was him in the fro just then. Frobisher. Uh, the Frobisher. No. Everybody yeah. gets one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fine. Everyone gets one. 
you had four. That was the problem. <laughs> I helped myself. <laughs> Didn't look like anyone else wanted them. Speaking of really good, I'm just, I'll just throw this in because we know there's never going to be another chance to mention it. This hash fresh in my mind. Um, Brian knows this. Um, you're talking about uh, uh, Hugh Weaving and being a great actor and all that kind of stuff. There's a television show <laughs> on, oh. on A&E right now called Longmire. Um, Longmire, okay. The, the main character of it is this Wyoming sheriff who's this grizzled, he looks like, you know, he's like a you know very John Wayne-y type of guy. The actor is one of the other agents from The Matrix. Huh. The actor playing this grizzled John Wayne Wyoming sheriff who just always talk about God, I gotta go up to the reservation, talk to the Cheyenne. Um, he's the third agent in The Matrix. There's Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. There's the one with the kind of narrow face, looks like the kid from The Big Bang Theory. And then there's the broad-faced one who's kind of like, why were you here so long? Uh, that guy, that guy who I think is New Zealand or Australian actor, check out Longmire. It's on, Net- <laughs> it's on Netflix now. The whole first season is on Netflix. And look at that guy. You'll see it's that guy from The Matrix, and you won't believe it's that guy from The Matrix. Huh. It's just watch it. It's just, he, he looks totally like you totally buy him as just a, a American Western sheriff guy. And at the same time, you'll go, but it's that guy from The Matrix. He's one of the agents <laughs> from The Matrix. And the best surprise of all? It's Halle Berry. It's, and that's actually Halle Berry. Both are played by Halle Berry. <laughs> I love that Hugo Weaving apparently just charmed the hell out of the Wachowskis and he gets to be on all of their things. Yeah. Because yeah. Hugo Weaving is outstanding. He's their go-to guy. Yeah. And why wouldn't he be? Well, Except why, for the yeah. fact well, that he's terrifying looking. Exactly. He should be everyone's good. He should be Tom Hanks. He's the Rick Dukeman of well, the... Uh, I, I love that. I mean, he's, you know, he's been around for a while, but it's the There's Matrix. the makeup hanging in a kind of a yeah. weird yeah, way. Yeah, it's not so good when you lie down. It's the Matrix that it's definitely put him on the map and now he... And then he did blow up and I'm so gratified to see that. I mean, you know, Transformers, they're like, we need someone to be Megatron. Fuck it. Hugo Weaving, get him. Did he do the voice? Yeah, he oh, did Megatron. But he was also in Lord of the Rings. Also in Lord of the Rings, yeah. For a second. But that was weird. That was one of the... He wasn't cast as a like a super antagonist in that movie. They cast him... Elrond, yeah. Yeah, they, they cast him just because he does look kind of funny. Well, also, <laughs> he does have kind of a weird and also look. because he's local. Yeah. I mean, well, that know, too. It's like all those... Everybody in Lord of the Rings was also in Xena Warrior Princess because that's where they live. <laughs> Is Hugo Weaving a Kiwi? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, he, no, he's not Kiwi. He's Australian. Australian. Huh, didn't know that. Yeah. He was in... Because uh, I never ever see him in a movie where... His first, oh, first big movie is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I was going to say, if right. you haven't seen Priscilla, oh that's going to blow your mind. Yeah, <laughs> really. There you go. Talk about an actor committing to something. Like, yeah, yeah what the hell? I got no career. My, How old might is he well. in, in Priscilla? He must be He's like young. He's 19. Pretty young. He's pretty young, although he looks the same. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he totally does. He His hair has receded a little bit. Yeah. He was born with hair. Dis- like He has a full head of hair. It has not receded. It just was always shaped like that. Yeah. That's, that's Hugo Weaving. He's eternal. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, we're yeah. I think see the line down, see the jowls of the cheek. Yeah, no, yeah. they should, they should go, hang the they other. They should way. go right for his ears. In a situation like that, should they make different prosthetics? Well, if you had the luxury of like, okay, this is his up, you know, this is his down. You know, of the director going, I'm going to shoot a scene where he's lying down. Can you do an entirely new makeup of him for it lying on his back? You could certainly, uh, certainly, you could sell that you too. Could, you, you just could, need to know that you could do it, but you know, very, t- very rarely do you have the time or luxury or or the forethought. To, you know, it's usually sort of like, hey, uh, why don't we play the scene with you in bed, Hugh? Yeah, great, boom. And the makeup plus, artist is like, ah! Um, plus the makeup that morning, if they plot ahead like that, they wouldn't be sitting in a makeup chair. They'd be lying on a makeup bed. Exactly. <laughs> you should. You should do it lying down. And then the fact is like, well, I hope you don't want him to sit up because this is the lying down makeup. Um, very rarely do you have that kind of time or luxury to do it. There's there's, there's some makeup I can't tell by looking. Other people probably could. I can't. But, uh, you know, there's there's foam latex makeup, which obviously is like is foam rubber and will just hold its shape no matter what angle you're in more advanced makeups are made of silicone yeah that was a big which thing. has a more fleshy 
flex to it. That was a big thing around Lord of the Rings. They yeah. were first starting to use that at that. But but that even time. that doesn't. But that still doesn't. It has a more of a give to it than than foam latex, yeah. which just is, is a solid shape that won't change at all. But silicone will have a little more fluidity to, like because it is it's a no. much more fleshy like material um it's also harder to work with and apply so people don't necessarily always use it but um but it's it still isn't going to sag over your face like like yeah. flesh on skin does so he her uh airs in in for for anyone who didn't uh uh necessarily make the connection he had a dream about papa songs yeah, the music that he heard was oh. is the music in Papa songs, and that's why he's he's talking about. I was in a nightmarish cafe, and all the waiter, waitresses had the same face. Uh. Racist. And so he was he was <laughs> that's he, racist. He's hearing he's hearing the music that they're going to write right now that ultimately will become the yeah, future become music, music in the. So in who the wrote? Songs. Then who wrote Johnny Be Good? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a loop. It's a loop in time. Um. Although ultimately Frobisher is the one who writes it, he didn't hear he didn't hear it in a dream. Uh, Ayers just just had like a premonition, so Frobisher wrote it. He he writes it himself, but there is a an implication that it is just out there, and he's the one who kind of that is um, like all along the Watchtower from Battlestar. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's a muse thing. He's he's it's he's the one who who Frobisher writes a thing. Here's how the story, here's how the story he channeled goes. it. That's the word. Frobisher writes for. a thing. It eventually kind of gets out there, and then it gets more and more out there yeah. until 2,000 years later, it's playing in a McDonald's. Yeah. And then the guy has a dream about that McDonald's 2,000 years in the future yeah. and comes out and finds the guy who's writing that song. His, his, uh, I'm uh, loving his, it. His makeup is, <laughs> is silicone-based because they, they talked about that a little bit in um, in the Cinefix because one of the things about silicone is is uh, um, you can adjust it. If you, if you heat it up, it melts. You know, yeah. latex will, like, set on fire. But if you heat up silicone, it just melts. So you can get much nicer... Um, you get much nicer seams on it than you can with with foam latex because foam latex you just have to try and feather it out and silicone you can literally just kind of melt it a little bit onto their face and then it it blends much better. Hmm. Um, and so that's especially around the eyes. Um, that's that's one of the extreme benefits of silicone makeup. This is just insane visual effects. Oh, I actually yeah. just just recently, just last week, had a my friend is a makeup artist and she really wants to do a. A particular kind of alien makeup that she's designed that ah. apparently requires an. So she was like, "Can I use your head to do this makeup?" So I had <laughs> a I'm using it full yeah. head casts oh, process done. Yeah. yeah. So I just spent two and a half hours in this little sensory deprivation area, that, and he had to shave know. his beard because otherwise he would have never had a beard again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that yep. chick gets caught in the uh, in the alginate, and it's yeah. just ugly. Although she, you know, because you actually like, apply, yeah, yeah like you your can eyebrows. do it, yeah, but it's, yeah. Well, I had to, you know, do it to to my eyebrows, and yeah. there was much less of bad things. Yeah. At least up on my face, it didn't alginate like the chest hair because oh, it went all yeah. the way down. Uh-huh. That was not nearly as pleasant. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing is, you'll when you when you're, if you're a makeup artist or recurring makeup artist, you learn after a few mistakes to like, don't forget the chest hair, don't forget yeah. the eyebrows. Ouch. Like, once you've got the stuff on, you go, did we? We didn't grease the eyebrows, did we? This is not going to be yeah. good. I've done a few face casts, and I made th- that mistake. Yeah. So, times. who did the score? Uh, who wrote the Cloud Atlas question. sextet from the movie? Uh, uh-huh. The universe. <laughs> Tikver uh, was Tick- one of the people who contributed to the the cloud because that's that is a. a it is it's a, a really pretty thing. piece. It's a pretty piece, and it's a risky thing because part of the whole thing is like it's the this most beautiful is one, piece of music yeah. I've ever written. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so and so it's it's the universe loves. Do what Tenacious D yeah. said, and then say that Cloud Atlas sextet was a tribute to the best song ever yeah. written. Well, and they kind of they kind of do that, don't they? When there's when he says, "Oh, I had it in a dream," and then it slips away, and he kind of 
Frobisher's writes. the one who writes it, though. It, yeah. that, that, that was always but, his music. But he writes it. Doesn't the other guy having the dream... He acknowledges that that is the music he heard. Okay. He goes, and he oh, I recognize to, that. I had the idea. Yeah, he tries to take credit for it because he knows it's going to be an important... It's like if you had music, a dream but, about paparazzi and then you went back in time and told Lady Gaga, I have an idea for a song, but she was already writing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were like, and they were like, wait, that's my idea. Well, that I'm going to sue you. That seems a little anticlimactic. Yeah, but um, it rhymes. So wait, who wrote the music? Uh, Tikva and and, like, and a couple of people. I don't. I don't. I mean, it is pretty. It's really. I would love to hear it's, the score. I would love to hear just the sweet version of it. Oh, it's yeah. The the score is actually great, so it, it works really well. But, I didn't notice the music in the movie, which is typically a good sign. Yeah. And when it does call attention to itself, whenever they're playing that thing and going, listen to that music. It's great. I always think it's great. Yeah. So I think it's a good score. High five. I haven't paid attention. Alex Smith is going to kill me. Yeah. So the, there's the. Uh, I mean, there's a there's. A couple things going on. I, I, I want to be on a boat. I liked on the one hand that it was cutting between the two, you know, it's like as what, uh, what, you know, um, what's his face? Snyder calls the bad guys close in moment. It's like, oh, you know, this is, this is like the, the chance this person's going to get caught or destroyed or whatever, or they're going to, to get away from it. Same thing here with her is like, is she going to get caught and hosed and she gets rescued? Uh, Altua the slave gets rescued by, you know, uh, uh, Ewing bats the gun aside, but he's also rescued by his own ability. Um, and then Sonmi is not, re- you know, that, that is a failure, but she's later, um, she, she later gets to be rescued from prison. But, um, that, that was one of the moments where I was interested in kind of the, the vertical editing going on of this is the same this is the same landmark, structural landmark in all of these stories. Same being, kind of plot events. The same plot beat. Right. Being laid out side by side. The break into two. Yeah, exactly. Six times over. Exactly. That kind of thing. And that was what, that was one of the things watching this through the very first time that fascinated me and was like, I've never seen anything like that. And that is awesome. Because again, it's making the point that, that she's going to say a little bit later, I think, about the, uh, uh, um, about the letters it's we keep making the same mistakes over and over again we keep telling the same stories over and over again we keep going through the same experiences over and over again and and it's it's a different story each time you know this looks nothing like the the you know the neo soul stuff but it is ultimately still telling the same story of of you know the human experience no one liked this movie. No, mm-hmm. no one saw this movie. No one saw this movie. No one saw this movie. It was really... It will be forgotten. Really, really. No, it will, it will not. not be forgotten. I'm not going to let it... It's going to influence future generations. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to see this in some decade <laughs> in the future. Exactly. And it's going to be a major turning point and eventually will become a religion. On Mike's tombstone, it will read... Yeah. The guy who reminded the world of Dread yeah. and Cloud Atlas. No, I'm the. This is this is the thing in my story. Like I'm Sony, and this is the da- yeah. Timothy Cavendish thing. Okay, <laughs> exactly. that's exactly. what's happening. Some some random person is going <laughs> to, but some random person is going to see that tombstone and go, Cloud Atlas. What is that? And go yeah. back and look it up. And then the music starts playing, and it's like it's this is the most amazing movie of all time. Yeah, and it's going to have a whole. And thing. then they're going to be president. Yeah, and on the Cloud Atlas ticket. And exactly. it, yeah, it's gonna happen. You're, I won't Peter, be you're, here. You're but. this weird Peter Sellers character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally gonna happen. It's interesting because I know that they put makeup on him to make him look more Asian. I can't really tell. He just looks kind of like he looks like he's he squinting looks like his eyes. Yeah, he looks like Spock. He does more yeah. than I presume. How is he prepared to insult Star Trek? Seriously, yeah. it, he's played an elf. <laughs> yeah. like automatic pre-clear exactly. to play a Vulcan. He's like, yeah, I know. I know this works. Yeah, kind of, kind of stiff, kind of emotionless weird ears yeah i'm in let's do this i'm your man he's he's got the most interesting way of talking he always just has this 
the way he purses his lips yeah. as he talks all the time. It's just fascinating. Just, yeah, I can see it. it but it makes it, it, it makes it so, that's part of what makes him so compelling when he's talking. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. It's like an actual version of, of, uh, Ben Kingsley's hammed up, uh, Mandarin. Yeah. Yeah. You will never see yeah. it coming. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. talk like that all the time. <laughs> I kinda, Brian William Finnefer. Yeah. I kind of did like immediately yeah. after seeing Iron Man three. Like some <laughs> of us walk out. Like some of us. Exactly. Some of us watch Deadwood and just want to talk like that. Some of us wish we lived in Harry Potter. Brian walked away from Iron Man three just talking like Ben Kingsley like to be ben the Kingsley. Kind of a ben Muppet Kingsley. voice. I like. I like his choice there as well. When she asked what happened, Mike what happened, likes his choice there. What happened to Haiju <laughs> or Heiju, however she uh, it, it was pronounced, and. Uh, he goes, killed, I was told, but he's already walking out the door like halfway through that line. It's like <laughs> yeah. so unimportant to him. Yeah. That guy's <laughs> dead. He's yeah. screwed. That guy's dead, and why am I even talking to the trash can over here? I'm going to get out of here. No one's going to come rescue you. Yeah. Now, what's the deal with the doctor here? The doctor travels with him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then he saw that he, he knows that he's rich, and he's waiting for his that's perfect moment he, on the boat to kill him. That's why he traveled with him. And then he says, ah, you got stuck on the boat. Mm, he didn't bring any money. No, I, he didn't seem to have anything with him. And then he runs off with the grateful yeah well he died on the boat he had a you know he had a brainworm thing um made his brain look like cauliflower yeah in the in the uh in the book it's it's indicated a little bit earlier the whole thing he does at the beginning with the teeth um yeah what was that all about well he he's just he's just greedy he's like these teeth you know you can you can make dentures out of them and so he's going to sell them at the at the other end to make dentures out of them um so it's kind of a get rich quick scheme and so you get that that impression from him you also get what 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 you lose a little bit of, and I think they originally had it, but then they had to cut it for time, which you know obviously you can't keep everything in them because you know if, if they kept this little bit and then all the other little bits, this movie would be like three times as long as it already is. Um, but I kind of want to see that movie. Yeah, right <laughs> his yeah. his ultimate goal though, he he didn't just want to sell them for dentures; he wanted to sell them for dentures to a specific person because some some woman on the other end like some some noble woman had like wronged him but she had like fucked up teeth so he was going to take these like you know cannibal teeth back make de- make really nice dentures so that she would buy them so that at some party he could expose her for wearing like cannibal dentures and just totally ruin her in in high society and That's it's like classic hanks <laughs> and you just sit there and you're like that is so jesus tom. guy you know and it's so you get it you get an indication really early on of who dr goose really yeah. is because because you can't really tell that he's that kind of person he's a planner you gotta give him yeah. that it's like that shaggy dog story where the kid <laughs> yeah. goes to the the circus and cer- <laughs> yeah, really. makes fun of them fuck you clown yeah <laughs> so so here the movie is is you know is like you were saying it's like the movie just three th- third time so far and uh, we'll see if there's another one coming up or not um where these two basically the same these these two archetypes because it's tom hanks as tom hanks being tom yeah. hanks um interacting with the the Uber soul. Yeah. The Halle Berry uh, spirit. Exactly. Yeah. The Halle Berry spirit or whatever. Um, or the comet. Exactly. Point, yeah. And, and at a decision point of, am I going to help you do your thing? Am I going to hurt you do your thing? Yeah. You know, so in, in, in Master and Commander, he's murdering him. He's literally killing mm-hmm. the soul in, uh, you know, in the, uh, nuclear power scenario. He's like, I don't know if I want to help you or not. I'm right on the crux. And here it's like, okay, I, I'm going to help you, but, you know, it's going to be awful and, and so on. So, so it's, I guess this, like you were saying, it's the, it's the same plot point in every story. 
and the decision point is being made. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't work out so well for him in nuclear power era. Yeah. It's a, and it's the battle between, it's the battle between love and greed. And actually, look, you see, you're seeing Tom Hanks in all of his lives. Yeah. Saying yesterday my life was headed that's in one direction. That's the button he found in the beginning of the movie. That's the button that, yeah. that Zachary finds and does the, that exact same gesture <gasps> with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's, and he's wearing it. He's wearing it in the in the future yeah. as well as the, it's one of the little bits of jewelry that he has. You <gasps> see him. You see him. You see him give in to that same little bit of greed like, that he's this still is holding shiny. onto. Ooh. But then, but then he he goes the other direction. But but again, he's saying in one life my life was going in one direction. Uh, at one point my life is going in one direction, and it shows goose. It shows the the early Tom Hanks character and he says and now it's going in a completely other direction and it shows the other Tom Hanks character in the far future and it's just you know that it's it's going out of its way to be like here's what I'm doing <laughs> look I'm and then it making exploded. sense of this for you um, but yeah and now they're, so now we're cutting between eras yeah yeah. now we're just like okay really high if, you're, if you're on board okay now we're just gonna roll yeah. with it and it, but it's the same thing this is they're, an amazing sequence here yeah well every time yeah. all the plot points line up they do yeah. this we're hitting yeah. we're hitting a, a lineup of plot points with you know of uh, there's there's about to be a significant turning point in everybody's story yeah he's about to you know she's about to get run off the thing Sony is about to be broken broken out he um, die the plane explodes right here yeah he dies you know he's finally he's, he's about created to start the, creating the cloud atlas or 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 airs discovered it and so he's about to have to flee right so um this is the this is the this is the point where everything changes for these characters yeah. and that's why we're seeing them stacked again the staging of this car accident is really cool yeah it's really clever it's like visually quite quite you know yeah it's one of those things was like conceiving of it and like trying to explain to everyone here here's here's what i want to do yeah here's what here's how i want to do this yep staying in the car and so how would they have done that just literally put her on a gimbal, that was in a gimbal. studio yeah, and everything green else screen and post you know yeah yeah that was they did they did that on a gimbal turning her upside down and stuff uh the passenger side of the car was taken off so that they could do that and then digitally replaced as they as they swing around um and yeah, and it's and it's interesting that that's a um, that's a Tikvar sequence because uh, it totally feels appropriate for a Wachowski movie. It's like, uh, yep, yeah, they do things like that, so that that belongs in this movie definitely. Well, they, you know, they, you, there's no telling how much crossover there was. I mean, they wanted it's to, true. they wanted to bring him in, or who, you know, however they. I'm sure they talked about it before. Yeah, it's, being it's, like, it's oh, true. you know, it'd be cool. It's not like okay, Tom, you go off and make half the movie, and we'll meet later and see what you did. <laughs> yeah, I guess you that's know, true. I yeah. imagine there's some crossover to try to make sure they're all making the same movie. So, so there's also a little bit of numerology here going on, at least significance with the, the letter, number, number six. six yeah, because yeah. it's six fingers. The guy has six fingers. There's six total storylines. Who has right? six fingers? The guy's name is Six Fingers, right? Six Smith. Six, six Smith. Smith. Sorry, sorry. Six oh, Smith. Sextet. You're right. And Sextet, sextet which yeah. is he's six talking stories. about right here. Uh, six stories. Well, there. I, I think the the idea. A lot is of the characters the have six. The some of them are six. The i the um hmm. the story is uh the the movie is structured in a lot of ways. It was uh, like you said, they kind of intertwine and stuff like that. It's structured. It's structured like music in a lot of ways. It's yeah. structured as kind of a, a symphonic thing in different movements and stuff like that. Uh, yes. okay. Themes come back and they recur and they they mix and you can think of the stories or the characters as different instruments coming back and playing the same song, you know, but in, in a different way it and stuff factored. like that. Yeah. This is a really weird reaction for him to have. Because right now what he what he should do is go, Oh my god, ew, stop immediately. Like what are you doing? But for a second there it's like he's pranking him. He is. I know, it's just that's an odd inclination he, for this p- 
period in history for that to happen. Well, but he he's known. He's known that Frobisher's like this. And, and you, you know, if you watch something like, uh, uh, you know, Downton Abbey, it's like, this yeah. is kind of what people, this is kind of what people had to do. They kind of had to kind of secretly yeah. get into it. So he's like, so he's been sitting there the whole time, like, when's he going to make his move? Cause he's totally going to. Right. Right. And I'm going to see how long. And then he finally <laughs> does and it just cracks him up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, well, it's that's a great another great aspect of Game of Thrones and you know historical fiction like Downton Abbey. Anybody who claims oh homosexuality didn't exist before the 1970s <laughs> yeah, or whatever right. is totally fucking full of shit. Yeah, just, that's how yeah we the dynamic it. had to we work. Invented back it in then. the 70s in in New York. That's, yeah, that's yeah. where it comes from. But it but it's also you know a, a lot of times in in stories like this, especially, it's also important to note that be, because it's such an underhanded thing. Or, or not under, but you know, under the table, you have to keep it quiet. Making a move like that is also kind of a power play because then you're like, we're in on the secret together, and I can expose you as easily right. as you can expose it's a, me. It's a mutual; it becomes a mutually assured destruction. Yeah, exactly. And so, so he recognizes also that Frobisher is trying to gain power over him, right? In, in that moment, and he's laughing at how transparent that attempt is, and how it's not. He doesn't feel like it's going to work. I'll allow it. But that's another thing I would like to see in the Peter Jackson version of this movie. <laughs> we were talking about like we if talked Pe- about that before. If Peter Jackson like had gotten the like if apparently the guy who wrote the book had said this is I wrote the un- yeah. I wrote the un- I, I wrote an unfilmable novel and the Wachowskis are like fuck that someone yeah. get me a copy and then yeah. we're doing this challenge <laughs> accepted bitch. Yeah. Uh, but if Peter Jackson had heeded the call, this movie would have been like twenty four hours long. No. Wouldn't have been no you know scant two hours and forty five. <laughs> and it would have been really odd like the the Peter Jackson version of this movie it would have been almost indistinguishable from the Sam Raimi version of this movie I think <laughs> yeah well they uh, they definitely have a lot of if you watch early Peter Jackson early Sam Raimi that's actually a really great comparison because they have a lot of the same sensibilities um, in terms of mixing the horror and the humor and the over the top aspects of it and um, I'd, I'd never made that connection before but that's a really good point thank you you're welcome. Anyway, I totally think that if Peter Jackson had made this movie, it would have been a huge success. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> it but would, here's, have, would have been another Lovely Bones. Yeah. In 48 frames per second. So now we're stacking again because everyone is planning their escape. Dun, dun, and dun. that's why we're... <gasps> oh, that's these. what you're doing, movie. And, yeah, and of course... <laughs> <clears throat> we're not seeing we're not necessarily seeing all six stories because those beats don't necessarily happen in all six stories and it's the same way with you know movies you look at you look at the the typical movie formula and it's like well you can you can take and leave certain beats if you want certain beats have to be there or else it's unsatisfying but certain ones it's like well you can do this or you can choose not to you got to do something else you've got time so. for this one or that one but not both so yeah. do this one in that story and the yeah. other one in the and other story. everyone if, if, they have, if the audience can't figure it out by now then that's how it is yeah. i guess i guess the wachowskis have just you know already decided that in the future we're going to have glowy hover things yeah that's just that's just look we we got away with it once that's how it works it's glowy neon hover things are underneath the vehicles you know if, just, if just, we don't then we're just wasting everybody's yeah time. exactly in the chat rob <laughs> says um he says he thinks that natalie portman was reading cloud atlas on the set of v for vendetta and that's how they found out yeah about that it. is i like our version better of but course that, natalie that is, portman was reading cloud yeah, atlas. Of course that, she was. that is that is how they did it she was reading it and they were like what is that and she's like oh my god you have to read this <laughs> and so they did over like the weekend they're like oh my god we have to make this <laughs> wait they read a book like cloud atlas over the weekend of making another movie <laughs> yeah. yeah well they weren't they, 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 they were just producing it yeah so still so they, they, had, they had a free weekend <laughs> yeah but and apparently they went. If to I like, brush my teeth during production, it's an amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. 
they went to uh apparently them and Tickfor went to uh Costa Rica and they were all there for like a week or something and they just sat in the room and like laid out the beats of the book and went okay how the fuck are we gonna turn this into a movie so but they did they basically developed this completely on spec they were like we want to make this movie we're gonna figure it out and then hope someone gives us the money to do it who did uh ultimately it was independently financed in a lot of ways um i think it was financed by like dentists and shit uh but you know <laughs> yeah everyone like, gave funds in germany and stuff like that did um ultimately i think i think warner brothers finally did go all right well fine you did the matrix so here and they gave him like 20 million or something but the majority of this movie is funded independently yeah. of dentists. the major studios and it turned out to be a huge mistake yeah <laughs> uh, from a business standpoint how much did it make uh, ultimately, it's it's. Did it break even? Oh no! No, worldwide it's, oh, it's made. It's one of the biggest bombs of last year. Worldwide, it's made 130 million. Um, here it made under 30 million. Mm. I think it's gonna. I I really 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 hope it's gonna do well on on home video. Certainly, it's it started out well when it when it was released on Blu-ray. It was the it was the number one. Yeah. Blu-ray release of it of the week because all 45 people out. who saw it in theaters were like, I want that movie. Yeah. yeah. Well. I want to own that movie. Well, I don't it's, necessarily it's, want to watch it. You know, there's been a lot of evangelizing for it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's, you, in retrospect, it's like, there's no surprise to this whatsoever. It's like, you know, you see the ads for it. I don't know what that is. Yeah. What's it called? Cloud Atlas. I have no idea what that means. Well, Tom Hanks is in it. Well, he's been in a lot of shit. It's not necessarily <laughs> a guarantee. You know? He was just in a bunch of weird movies. Uh, yeah. I just, movie you know, it's like, it's like, I, the marketing department got handed this one and said, seriously, are we being punked? What? What? Are you? How are we supposed to sell this? What do we sell this as? And and uh, and they tried to sell it as everything. Yeah. And that and was. I remember the first time I saw the trailer. I was with a date, and I said, "I used Trey's dictionary joke." I was like, "Why see any other movies when all the movies are in that one?" <laughs> yeah, all the movies. <laughs> it are is in this true, one. though. <laughs> it's true, exactly. And it's just it's a hard sell, and it's you know it's it's just. Um, and what was the budget on it? Hundred million, about a hundred million, yeah. Which totally shows, and every dollar's on the screen, no doubt about it. In fact, you know, some people couldn't make this movie for a hundred million. Yeah. Some people would have to spend four hundred million to make this movie. It's another case, though, of like, ultimately, it's like, well, God bless them for doing it, and God bless the people who paid for it because you know we have it. Yeah. But it's, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a line between this one and uh, um, Sucker Punch. It's like, uh, boy. You, I think you should have spent about fifty to make this no. movie, and then you might have had something. And, I think this and, is uh, this is more successful at doing what it's trying. Oh, it to absolutely do than is. I mean, I'm not I'm not comparing oh. them artistically. Okay, um, yeah, it was a, but it's one of those things. It's like I just, I mean, it's I guess in the end, it's a movie about hope uh, because <laughs> because they said, okay, maybe if we make this movie people will actually go see it. You never know. Who Maybe. Knows? Who, knows? who knows? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe they will. If we That'd make be crazy. It, people might watch this movie. If we make the hell out of it, uh, you know, people might want to go see it. And um, nope. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's a shame because it's a, it's, a, it's a real work of art. Yeah. But by the way, uh, when we see wide shots of them on the platform, there's a little billboard right under the platform that says Swanicky Atomic Power. Nice. So, uh, just the Wachowskis direct in. Speed Racer? Yeah. Yes. yes. What's the thing with Speed Racer? Give me like a two sentence version of uh, uh, also epilepsy. <laughs> well, like how the movie itself is epilepsy. It's, it's it's a live action anime. I've never seen any movie do it that successfully because it's it takes all of the ways that if you're on board with that, is it good? 
Or is it? I think so. I think it's incredibly successful because people in ex- people sprinted from that movie. Right? Yeah. Is, well, it, was that just a rejection of the form? They stayed well, home I, in I droves. It was. A, yeah. It was a rejection of the <laughs> they form. They stayed home in droves. And also watching it, I mean, you look at it, it. It is the antithesis of the Matrix in a lot of ways. I mean, it's very stylish, and so you can see how the it's the Wachowskis, but it's very colorful. It's very upbeat. It's very kind of optimistic. It's just. It is the opposite. If the Matrix so, is an industrial song, it is K-pop. Yeah. So if you're going exactly, and so if you're going to a movie, being like, we're watching uh, the Wachowskis, yeah, fuck yeah, and then you go to it and you're like, what the hell is this? I like the simplicity of so they've directed Bound, the Matrices, Speed Racer, and this, two thirds of this, well, half of this. Yeah. So that's their entire oeuvre. To my directing as directors, I believe that's the case. They are. Why aren't they being seen? I mean, after their first movie, every director gets called a visionary if that movie did well. Mm-hmm. But they're like... They're the, the they, Atomic Power. They're like... Right. Vision, they are visionaries. They are visionaries. They are like they're Tarantino's. The, some of the few people that I would be like, yes, you deserve that work. Yeah, I will I will totally give them credit even though, you know, I I, I do like the first Matrix. I know I'm... I'm yeah, they didn't really want to make the sequels at, at the outset. They were <laughs> planning not, on Have not that. seen Speed Racer. Probably someday I should probably give it a try so I can, you know, have a reason to hate it. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'll love it and go, oh my God, I, I would have loved it all along. But, uh, you know, these are, they, they really do things with the form of cinema that people don't do. Yes. Right. I mean, they, they do see it in a new way and do new things and break through. And I, I will absolutely give them credit for that. Yeah. They, On the, I, I think the one, the one silver line, cause I do think this is going to gain cult success over time. Um, the one, so, so ultimately, you know, like you say, story about hope. Maybe, you know, ultimately this will be the new religion or whatever. But, um, I, I will say the one silver lining of it not being a huge hit is we're not going to get 10 years of people trying to do Cloud Atlas. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause that would be insufferable. <laughs> getting, getting a bunch of movies trying to catch this lightning and doing it and so having wrong. having no idea how to do it. And becoming, and having a decade of incomprehensible movies. <laughs> that didn't, you know. What are we living in the, right now? What played, are we living in right but now? But they played with the form like this, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, sure. didn't have the substance. Have, to, you, have to any of you guys seen up. Bound? I have. No. How is Bound? It's it's good. It's a completely, you know. Yeah, it's before um, they had a budget to do visual effects. Yeah. It's well, that was that was but the whole thing. Like, is it similarly like this is a really good movie, or is it just like no. it's, it's got a real cult following? I think People it's. Really I think it. It. What's it is it about. I don't even know what Bound is about. By the way, that's the movie that they made before the Matrix, so that they can make the Matrix. Yeah, Bound is a heist movie. That's exactly it. They didn't have money. They they. Did the mate, or they wanted to do the matrix. They took it to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers is like, this is badass, but you're nobody. So we have to make sure that. So can uh, we have someone else direct this? And they're like, no. Yeah. Well, well, they were like, okay, we, we want, we want you to do it, but we want you to prove that like, if we give you a camera, you're not going to like try and eat it or something. So, <laughs> so give us another movie for like five million bucks. And then if that movie is. Good. Watchable at all. <laughs> we'll let you do, we'll give you a shot at this Matrix thing. So they, so, but they wrote, did they write bound? They did write bound. What's, what's the log line here? Uh, it's hard for me to remember because I only saw it once and it's, it, it's not something that stick, at least for me, it didn't stick with me very hard, but it's basically, it's basically a crime drama. Um, but it's interesting because it's about, uh, um, I guess it's sort of like a, a Thelma and Louise thing because it's about this this lesbian couple who gets together and tries to like rip off one of their exes or something like that. Um, like I say, I can't, the chat room is all saying that they uh, they all like it. So, huh? I need to check good. out. I need I to check out. I, I certainly didn't didn't it didn't I didn't put it on the the Matrix sequels part of my shelf. It's on the part of the shelf that that it's like, well, I like more of their stuff than I don't. So I've got to <laughs> right. you know. I really see what I'm worried about is. 
my concern is there doesn't seem to be with the with the with the exception of the Matrix, not the sequels, but with the exception of the Matrix, the world doesn't seem to call them visionaries anymore. Like no. I, they, I, they're getting. I think they I got think this they should movie. get that credit for Speed Racer. Love it, love it or hate right. it. I think visually, but I, I, I feel like we run the risk of if the world doesn't at least acknowledge the fact that they're visionaries, they 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 had to independently finance this. It's amazing, and no one saw it. I think they're they're out of credit. They're like they're gonna run out yeah. of credit real fast. Like, I think Shyamalan's still working. I don't know wh- I was, who's dick. I was having but, that. Ex- I was having that exact same thought today. I, I was like, the which because of this possibly unless this you know slowly gains a following, the Wachowskis <laughs> are gonna be in director jail before Shyamalan is. Yeah, and I and, genuinely want to cry. And about that's that. that's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that though because because everything the Wachowskis have done has got its. You know, adherence. I mean, people like saw this movie. It's really, really isn't. What, what really bugs me is that the the that the industry didn't embrace this movie. I mean, you know, we went to the Bake Off, and it was in the Bake Off for visual effects. It, guys, do you are you kidding me? Didn't get a visual effects nomination. <laughs> yeah. Look at the goddamn thing. Um, it's you know, especially now that they've opened it up and there's five categories, five five slots. I mean, come on, this movie absolutely deserves, especially compared nominated. to the ones that did. There's no yeah. way the Huntsman exactly, and I don't, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think this movie got nominated at the Oscars for any goddamn it thing did at not. all. And that's just you know, for the industry that you know is. Well, we like to, you know, we like to reward classy movies like you know that that nobody saw. Well, here's like one. The artist. <laughs> yeah, here's one. You could reward this. I mean, you know, you could show the world that you can actually make these kind of movies and have it actually be also interesting and thought provoking and art. Well, okay. I, they, I they, they got life up by. They're fine. I think that's a reflection of how old the Academy is, and this True. is just way too. It's not. Or, it's not necessarily. It's. It's. You know, Lord of the Rings did fine. So, um, but I could know. imagine this in uh, like Bake Off real form, looking quite a bit like all the other movies. Like the, the parts of this movie it that really they would didn't. show, I really didn't. I mean, again, was it like I, this kind of stuff that they were showing? It was. Yeah. They, they showed this a lot of this kind of stuff. There, yeah. You know, they had to. Again, like you said, they didn't even show the the Master and Commander segment, which surely has visual effects in it too. Oh, I mean, yeah. it always does. But then th- that's not necessarily sexy in a real. So yes, it did look a little bit like you know futuristic. Oh, another one of these movies, but uh, but, but then they'd also show her going off the bridge. And exactly, stuff, they and had that, and yeah. they, you know, and and just the you know, it is it's. It's just across the board. I mean, okay, fine. Maybe visual effects. Hey, they, you know, they just didn't decided it wasn't up to that. But you know, it's not like there was a lot of love for Snow White and the Huntsman in the room. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, so oh yeah, that's a movie's a classic. We got to reward that. So, so the idea that you know these movies can get made, you know, and this is it's just like the breakthrough of Star Wars back in the day. It's like, oh, so that's what science fiction can be is fun and entertaining and not weird and cheap and stupid with with rubber monsters okay you know and it took a while for hollywood to kind of get on board but of course it didn't hurt that that movie was you know the biggest movie of all time so this movie wasn't the biggest movie of all time so it's yeah like you said it's not going to be a trend no but then inception didn't start a trend either and it's uh, it's not that they don't it's not that hollywood you know is like oh we don't want to make movies like that hollywood can't make movies like this (laughs) hollywood doesn't fucking know how to make movies like this you know, Hollywood didn't make this one. Hollywood, this, <laughs> right. is, this is independently financed. Nor Inception. Exactly. This is overseas money. Someone else paid for this. This is not a Hollywood movie. Inception was one guy who kept making them really profitable Batman movies yeah. saying, I have an idea for a thing yeah. that, and they're like, eh. make another Batman he, first. He held a gun to Batman's head and was yeah. like, I'll do it. You want more Batman? Yeah, you want more Batman? Yeah. Look yeah. at me. Just yeah. like last time, I was like, I want to do a period piece about magicians. <laughs> I don't think so. No more Batman for you. Okay, one one boot, one period movie about magicians. 
conditions. One. Um, the great the, the thing about uh, but the thing about uh, Nolan is even his oh my god no one will come to see that movies are hits. The Prestige was a hit. Inception no. was a huge hit. Um, but someone has pointed out where are the Inception ripoffs. There are none. That's and fair. that's because Hollywood doesn't know how to make those movies. Hollywood can't rip those movies off. They don't understand those movies. Because they're ideas. <laughs> exactly. They don't, they, they, they like, I don't, what do we steal from that that we can rob? Well, it's really clever and well plotted. Oh, <laughs> we don't, we don't know how but to do where that. Does, where does that go in the formula? Yeah, exactly. How do we do that? Um, it's as someone, uh, someone talked about the inception said, uh, the problem with inception from Hollywood is, you know, you, you you pitch Inception to to the standard Hollywood mindset, um, and you pitch this movie, um, and they go, "Yeah, see the problem with that? That's awesome. The problem is that will only work if it's exceptionally well made, <laughs> and there's no guarantee that that can be done. Right? Uh, we can't market well made. We have to market giant robot punches no. dog in face. You know, we we can't market <laughs> it's really good." You know, <laughs> you can't market that. So, so you know, this movie does not. This movie is not going to be a trend. But Inception didn't start a trend either of incredibly highbrow science fiction that's movies. That's fair. Um, we'll see what we'll come. Well, you know, well, that's why I get. Yeah. I it's funny. I, I this kind of brings back to to Longmire and all that kind of stuff. Is I was I'm more and more struck because uh, the other thing in these guys I, before we started, I was pitching Orphan Black, which is a BBC series. Watch it. Right this instant. It's already been renewed though, so it's not, it's not been fireflied. It's, it's actually been recognized, but no one's watching it. And it's one of the smartest sci-fi shows on TV. Um, it just all the more boggles my mind that, you know, movies are just not where it's at to do anything good anymore. And television, television television is absolutely where it's at, which is so weird because when I was, you know, 15 years old for all of time exactly television was where you know hack schlock was being made and movies were you know interesting and clever and you know thought-provoking and it's in my lifetime it has completely flopped and thought-provoking movies barely get through the system at all and half the time they don't succeed when they do get through the system because the market doesn't want those movies much either um whereas television is where the really good work is being done now because you have more time on television yeah you get for as amazing as this is, this is still only two and a half hours worth of, of story. Yeah. Compared got, to anything and- like Orphan Black or whatever, where you have 12 hours or 20 hours a, a season. And but the see, thing is, that- you get, you get two hours to nail it. Yeah. And it, on TV, you're like, well, if we, if we, you know, if, that if an hour of the story bombs, then we, we that still didn't stop the French connection from getting made. That didn't stop the exorcist from no, getting no, no, made. No, no, no. didn't stop Star Wars from getting made. Yeah. It's not a new thing. No, no. Um, so, but why is but, so well, that doesn't answer the question of why movies are dumb and TV is smart and forty years ago it was the opposite. Well, I, I think it's it's mostly what you're saying in the sense that people just the system is not set up yeah. to produce good movies and people are people more than it was before. People are prepared to take advantage of the form, and I think the way that pe- because the way that people watch TV has changed, you're able to do serial yeah. shows yeah, I, like I, that now, I, which I, couldn't I, before. it's true. Well, it's also it's more com- TV. I mean, you know, there there when I was the era I'm talking about, there were four channels, there were three channels, right? And now there are infinite. I mean, I, how do you even count how many channels <laughs> there are and how much programming there is? Whereas they're making fewer movies than they were 30 years ago, right? So so that's again, it's the when you when Hollywood is making fewer movies, it's like well each one better be a goddamn blockbuster or why are we even making it so right so that, katzenberg memo exactly so so then and meanwhile television has an infinite number of hours to fill right and so someone has like an option to go look i have this crazy story about a sheriff in wyoming okay we'll give you 10 episodes why not why the hell not why the hell not do it 
Yeah. You know, and if I, it doesn't work, we can just stop. Yeah, we'll stop making it. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not like you can. Our do whole that. lives are not based on yeah. it because we have fifty shows we're making this year. It's right. not like you can do that in a movie. Just put it out ten minutes at a time and then just quit. Yeah, if it's just not you know, out. didn't like it. Okay, we'll stop. Then we'll quit it. Out. So, but it's really kind of mind-boggling how how you know the the you know it's like you have to go you have to go a whole year to like find a, a you know. A, a handful of smart movies, whereas yeah. the the number of like, oh my god, that's the greatest show! If you like this, you know, thought provoking, interesting stuff. I mean, come on, we we could we could name ten shows right now that yeah. fit that bill right now. Yeah. We can't, we couldn't name ten movies in the past year that would would go. Oh, that was some really highbrow, awesome, well executed, thought provoking, yeah. clever art, thematically, production wise. Plot wise, yeah. where just, something is firing on all cylinders. So, so this movie is, you know, again, it's such an aberration. You're just like, wow. It's like, how did this? It's, it's really sad. But you know, the first question that we've all asked is, how did this get made? Yeah. How did this get made? People in the future Who don't let know this the answer. Happen? Uh, yeah. Just know that at this moment in time, Teague was wondering how Elysium was going to turn out. Yeah. yeah, Elysium maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Elysium maybe. You know, I, I, I hope Elysium does well. I hope it's a freaking blockbuster. Yeah. As we record uh, this, we have no idea. Early trailers, yeah. but you know, can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, future. We'll we'll intercut with this yeah. conversation of, of where we are a year from now. Okay, future boy, who's the president yeah. in nineteen eighty five? I will say, based on what I know of Elysium, which is not much other than the trailers and a little bit of the history, is Elysium has the right pedigree. Yeah, yeah. Elysium. Elysium has a guy who has you know already made his mark as. Hey, he knows his shit. He knows how to make the, he knows the genre. He does good work. Um, he still, he doesn't have crazy inflated budgets. And another thing Elysium has going for it is, hey, look, that's a quality actor who's agreed to show up in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Two, Two of them. Two of them. They, who, uh, Matt Jody, Damon, Jody Foster and Matt Damon. No, you get Jody Foster. So like, okay, Matt Damon, Jody Foster, slumming it to show <laughs> up in this, you know, gritty future, you know, noir movie. Like, all right. Might, might have a little something going there. I don't know. I still don't agree that the, Doing genre movies constitutes slumming it for not anymore. Not yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. But but it's still now that we got George out of the game. I'm just kidding. Sorry, George. But uh, high five, bro. I don't know. There's still just well, the, yeah. I mean, ever ever since Star Wars, I think Star Wars changed that that mindset. Oh, I think I think the 90s. No, it, it took still longer than Star Wars. Yeah. Um, okay, well maybe maybe the it was prequels. actually when the Phantom Menace came out and there and it, it, at least it looked kind of classy. Yeah. Because before that, the whole nineties, late eighties and nineties had all been Demolition Man and shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like only Arnie and Stallone would do those kind of movies. Yeah. You know, but then Phantom Menace comes Rob out. Rob Schneider will come it's, in. It's, sure, I'll be in a movie. Why not? A six to one aspect ratio, and everyone's like, "Ooh, that's yeah. important." But we still haven't. We still haven't seen Meryl Streep show up in one of these bad boys. Uh, <laughs> you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, ain't but we have had Judy Dench. Judy Dench, ghost yeah. that floats, and for her sins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Judy Dench, God bless her. You know, that's great. So, mm. but this movie is like. You it's know, funny how they get this guy made up to look like he's kind of fake Korean, and he just looks like John Cusack. <laughs> but they all showed up for this movie. It's like, eh, tanked. Yeah, those aren't worth doing. I don't think anybody in this movie. I no. mean, my speculation is that they don't go. Oh, it didn't make any money, so that was a waste of no, time. No, I think everyone else looks at it and says that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's, but what, they're that's what I'm saying. That's why. <laughs> that's why you know, they're they're not all lining up. I mean, you know, it's it's some some it's some actors. You know, just like some actors are humans. Uh, this is a newsflash. You know, some, some some of them are. Some don't get this. I mean, some don't know how to be in a movie like this. Yeah. Some don't know how to play this. Some don't know. Sean Connery. Exactly. Famously. Sean Connery does not know how to do this. Wait, what? Um, what does that refer to? He turned down Gandalf. He turned down Gandalf and Morpheus. His idea of how you do this is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then he approved, but he still didn't get it. He just took League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's like, fuck, I was wrong the last two times. Because he was wrong the last two times, yeah. so he took that one and then that and bombed. The, and the Avengers. He showed up in the yeah. Avengers. And Will he Smith, was, too. 
and then Turned he went, Neo. fuck this noise, I'm out, and then yeah. he retired. Well, he retired because he's like, okay, I don't, I don't even know how movies, movies are made anymore. I don't know how this works. Well, Will Smith turned, or yeah, Will Smith turned down Matrix to do Wild Wild West. Yeah. So it wasn't he was turning down... And he turned down something to do After Earth as well. He turned down something... Oh, recent. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, After Earth was his own... Oh, no, he turned down Django. His, he turned yeah, down there you Django. go. Yeah, and After Earth is his his movie. Uh, he, he yeah. you know... Which is a shame because I think Will Smith... You know, I think... I th- actually, I think Will Smith actually counts because I think I Am Legend. He nailed it. Uh-huh. He did exactly what he should have done in I Am Legend. I don't think After Earth is a good movie. What did he do in I Am Legend that was nailing it? Starred in it and uh, <laughs> was a good actor in it. Yeah, he and, got it. And, and got committed it. to it and, yeah. and did it. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, the uh, movie didn't commit to him, unfortunately. Yeah. In the the, uh, I, I haven't seen After Earth because nobody has. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a Cloud Atlas for people later. Like, oh, you totally should have seen After Earth. It actually was an unsung <laughs> uh, classic. According to Rotten Tomatoes, new. No. No, although, seem to be the case. although it is apparently at at twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it's twice as good as last. It's Airbender. better than last Airbender. <laughs> Shyamalan's on the way back. <laughs> on the subject of the, of the actors and then genre movies, I actually can't think of. Bear in mind, I'm just going to actually. I'm going to bury the lead on my point real quick. This is probably going to be found to be untrue because Tom Hanks has been in at least 7,000 films. I can't think of a lot of genre Hanks movies. I can think no. of period Hanks movies, but the only genre one that comes to mind, well, if this could be a considered a genre movie, would be this, and also Road to Perdition, a sort of a sort of gangster movie. Yeah. But I can't actually think of a lot of Hanks genre shit. He likes to fund genre shit. Yeah. He wants nothing more than to make nothing but war and space movies, but- he never seems to show up in him. He, he doesn't. That's why this is really unusual to see him in. Uh, yeah, apparently they they came to talk to him and he wasn't he he wasn't really on board when they you know they sent the script and stuff. But he he took the talk and apparently he happened to be reading Moby Dick at the time, <laughs> and they were in his office and he had you know movie posters around and one of them was two thousand one and they go we want to make that and that in the same movie and he goes yeah. oh I'm in and that's, <laughs> but that's that's I love that, Tom Hanks and I love Lana Wachowski yeah. but that's an interesting thing that actually uh, we all know Andy didn't talk one of the better. Uh, analyses of uh, of, of um, After Earth that I've read. Um, and again, I haven't seen it. But it, it goes all the way back to it's a William Goldman thing. It's like there are some actors where you want to see them be the thing they are. Yeah. You know? And Tom Hanks for most of his, up yeah, until Tom, very, very recently has been that. Tom Hanks is the affable modern day dude who yeah. you just want to go out and, you know, give him, have, give him a hug and have a beer with him. Um, he Tom does, Hanks is having a barbecue. You want to come? And he kind of knows that and he doesn't really step outside that very much. Yeah. Um, Will Smith... And one of the, I think one of the problems with After Earth is just the whole concept of it is what do you, you know, Will Smith is like, oh, he's charming and, you know, funny and, 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 uh, you know, every situation he's just going to, you know, joke and laugh his way out of it. And we go, we love that. Wait till he throws a quip at you. Exactly. And after Earth, he plays a character who is defined by his lack of emotion and his stoicism. Yeah. Which and is it's like, it's like, well, that's, that's a great stretch for you as an actor, but the audience doesn't really want to see you be that. Yeah. That's a, that's the first hurdle right there. That's how Sh- that's how Shyamalan directs. Everybody yeah. is very. I mean, I feel that's like the premise he, of the movie is yeah. that he's without emotion. I feel like he almost, uh, but Shyamalan in particular, I feel like he almost tries to do a mammoth thing where he wants everything uninflected yeah. and he's trying to create the emotion with the juxtaposition of. Now what's I going think that's on. I think that's I loved him in I Am Legend because he played one of the darkest, you know, mm-hmm. most conflicted characters I've ever seen him play that didn't have the slightest semblance of right, you know, Independence Day Will Smith. And I thought he nailed it and did a great job. The movie did not was not a huge blockbuster. Yeah, it, you know, did fine. Yeah, but it did not take off. It was not the new Independence Day. It was not the new, you know. Um, we Will are Smith. not currently eagerly awaiting. I am which was not Men in Black, you know, yeah. for, as far as Will Smith movies go. So, so this one is, you know, After Earth is like. So I think I think Hanks 
understands, I think, you know, it's like... I, he knows his place. Yeah. There's a natural yeah, order. Really, in, in a sense, it was kind of like that. But and it the, will make you millions of dollars. But that's why, But that's why. again, that's what I'm talking about. Here, Tom Hanks is a case of an actor who doesn't normally do these kind of movies, who for whatever reason said, okay, yeah, I'll yeah. do this one, and brings his A-game to this, and elevates the movie tremendously by doing so. No. Brian, just as a sort of a writing exercise, would you do me a favor? There's broad bent. In would you uh, go off and write a feature... With Tom Hanks in mind, that is a sci-fi spec, please. Sure. Please write a sci-fi movie for Hanks. Just so I can imagine it. <laughs> because I think I would love to see Tom Hanks in space, but I don't know. I, I might never know if he has his way, goddammit. I would love to see Tom Hanks as Tom Hanks in space. In other words... Not Jim Lovell? Well, in other words, the guy who just loves space and science fiction. Uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks, as Tom Hanks would be, yeah. if Tom Hanks was in space. If Tom right. Hanks had a starship, I want to see that movie. And he's like, I'm, I have, I have my own starship. <laughs> Tom Hanks in Galaxy and he's like, Quest. Two. He's just like walking around the kitchen of the starship, like, what's this? Well, what's this? This is all so cool. He's basically having his Jack Skellington moment in space. What's this? What's this? That's, There's colors everywhere. That's, what, that's like, one of the ah! reasons. That's one of the reasons why I think we're all so excited about Gravity. It's like, hold up, hold up. George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, directed by Alfonso Cuarón, in space. Yeah. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? And that was before we all saw the trailer where we went, oh, oh yeah, God, oh, yeah. Trailer. Who came? Just me? Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so. So, yeah, we obviously have high hopes for that because it's like, well, all right. That's when you got the A-listers showing up to be in your in your NASA movie. You got something happening. Alfonso Cuaron's about to be one of those guys, too, if Gravity does oh, what God, it's supposed to. Oh, God, I hope to. so. He yeah. so needs yeah. to be. Yeah. Then he'd be also one of those visionary guys that, the pe- for some reason the world is ignoring these guys and it's kind of like it's almost getting suspicious the, jo- the, the <laughs> genre it's fans, almost like the universe is against you the, yeah. sometimes the, the genre fans this know about him but but the rest of the world doesn't quite it isn't quite uh, but hey they were doing that to Josh for a long time yeah yeah but I mean I, you know because every time you know Hunger Games the the guy walks the the uh, Gary Ross walked away from it Quaron's at the top of people's list like oh he should do it Bring him in. He should do it. Yeah. You know, um, Caron should direct every movie ever. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> he's my favorite. Um, oh, he's your favesies. He's my favorite director. Yeah. yeah. Just say favesies of all time or working right now. Working right now. Yeah. Who's your favorite Mine director too. of all time? I'm not sure. That's a harder one to peg. But but is I, there a chance I can, it's Caron? I can easily go with working right now. I th- I suppose Spielberg a maybe, chance, but probably not. Uh, maybe early Spielberg. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. Ah, there's there's no compartmentalized man. You got to yeah. go with the whole thing. <laughs> oh well then. You got, you got to take your eyes wide shut with your uh, Lolita. <laughs> Jumping back to the movie real quick. This is this is one section where I go, okay, now you guys are just spending money for the hell of it. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> You're just like wasted money now. Um, although not as egregiously as Zombieland. No. <laughs> it's like, oh, at least I understand thematically why you had that scene in this movie. As opposed to <laughs> Zombieland was like, literally you needed to fill five minutes. But um, yeah. beautiful visual effects. Yeah. So we should we should. I try. like that their love scene. The the yeah. the thematic love scene was destroying a bunch of expensive China. Exactly, that's that was the that was the way they had to uh, externalize uh, their their love in public. Yeah, because they never had a lot. Of, oh, wait, I can do this. Wait, <laughs> because they never had a lot of love for China. What do we say? One. What do we say? But uh, the oh, Tom okay. Hanks. I mean, that jumping that, in for a quick cameo. Yeah, the the you know the this movie is a. A lot, in a lot of ways about transcending boundaries and the idea of their, what they're doing, you know, them specifically, their kind of, um, their relationship and their love is, is disrupting the status quo. It's like going into the China shop and being like, fuck this. I don't care. I don't, you know, yeah. you think that this is, this is important, but, 
it's not and you know uh destroying that that's that's so, a, that's a scene that you could easily be like what was that that was just you know pretty for the sake of pretty and they're like you say now you're just showing off but it's like actually that is also really important yeah. in terms of in terms of this movie kind of getting its message out in a, in a more lyrical way as opposed to just saying it outright so it's interesting once you notice the the, the the overall pattern and the underlying of what's going on in terms of this is here she is trying to understand how we keep making the same mistakes so once <laughs> yeah. again it's like say it really lyrically and then say it explicitly <laughs> there you go like, which we... which reflects the genres because the yeah. 70s pop boiler would be just yeah theme and the other one is it's musical and it's lyrical and yeah. stuff like that yeah exactly but go ahead uh so so once you understand the form of okay this is about tom hanks's journey from villain to hero and you say, okay, he's obviously a major player here, but in this other story, in the in the '30s story, he hasn't shown up in in, or I'm sorry, in the composer story. Is that the '30s or the? That's '30s, yeah. Yeah, uh, he hasn't shown up. We're all, we're most of the way through the story, and the Tom Hanks character still hasn't shown up. So, if somehow you were able to see that underlying structure from the beginning, theoretically, you there might be suspense of going, when is when is he gonna? When turn, am I gonna get yeah. that piece of the puzzle? Right. But I doubt anybody watching this the first time would be on ball enough right, to. Right. So, so there's there's a weird conflict in terms of there's a certain amount of suspense of you're waiting for that piece of the puzzle to come in, but you would never have that suspense until you had already seen the movie several yeah. times and have known when that piece was yeah. coming in. And it's it's you know it's it's something that you can you you can see afterwards and and, and enjoy it as kind of flavoring to the movie but it's not important it's yeah. not like it's not like the tom hanks character showing up is pivotal to that story because right. it's not it's just he his journey is something that happens in the background of several of these stories and is not f- front and center um but he's he's it's just that you he he's important at the very end so it's like you're seeing how he got to that point and that and then it all culminates in that story but he's the background of of these other stories right. in a lot of ways and it's a great expression of of that kind of fundamental idea that everybody has to build in their brains as we grow up in terms of when you're young and you consider yourself the Luke Skywalker of your own story and that's just you're the hero and everybody else is an extra and it takes a certain amount of emotional maturity over time of growing up to go, no, everybody else is the star of their own story. <laughs> yeah. Jim Broadbent makes the best faces. Yeah. <laughs> Just gives the whole like, what? Yes. They said, they said, go for it in this one, Jim. Can you express? And he's like, yeah. Have you seen, oh. have you seen Moulin Rouge? Yeah. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, my friends. Yeah. We don't want Iris. We want Moulin Rouge. Okay. <laughs> I can carry this movie just with what my facial muscles can <laughs> do. Right. My left eyebrow can handle this scene. Watch. Boing. <gasps> Yeah. Genius. Give him the Oscar. Nope. He went to no, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> this this is advocating violence against women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this is a this is a negative statement about transgender people. Made by a transgendered person. <laughs> I love that. I know, that's the irony of it. The, how can a person like that oppress their own? When she holds up her little well, yeah, phone. He's, when he has his little moment of victory that he's locked her in the room and she just holds up the phone like, <laughs> oh, fuck, come on, run. It's like, the, oh, God, I got to go. The oh, actors, Napier, yes, okay. no, I didn't mean that I like violence against transgendered. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was not what I was voicing no, enthusiasm for. We at, we at, what are you doing movie would like to strongly say. <laughs> So. Oh, nothing then. Okay, fine. We did. Um, yeah. we did well, whatever whatever thing you were about to write an email about, that we're against. We don't do that, and we yeah. don't advocate it. Anyway, um, the, the meat. actors, the two actors who play the baddest characters in this movie, their uh-huh. first names are both alterations of the word hug. Yeah. 
That's backwards. Oh, huge hug. Deep. They're, they're both huggers, but yeah. they're both not huggers. I'm sure that was part of the plan all along. We need to get all the guys that have hug in their first <laughs> <Yeah>. name <laughs> to play bastards. And this will reveal a deep truth about what it means to be That's human. Right. I just once I want to stunt cast an entire movie with all like the actors that you know them as the thing that they are, but just give everyone the wrong role. So you make like a like a highfalutin rom com with like nastard dastardly villains and the whole bit. So you have everything going on, but then you cast like Hugo Weaving as the romantic lead guy, and then you have Hugh Grant play the evil cannibal. That works good. Keep yeah. that. And then you have you know. Uh, By the way, on this wall next to her, there's Edie some McCurgan play the. Wife. There's some graffiti that is basic, that is sewn me. That is the, the fabricants and stuff like that. It's like clearly that you can't really see it in the movie. It's just a quiet thing. But, uh, there's in some of the behind the scenes stuff, you, you can see it quite clearly. And it, it is the line of fabricants walking kind of to their doom, but then one of them like is taking off and flying. And it's just an interesting thing. And I think earlier in the hotel room, there was, there was a picture on the wall. That was a ship very much like the one Ewing is on, uh, uh, like a painting uh, of a ship at sea. So they're just they're just doing those little things. Layers and layers and layers, man. It's totally fine if you don't. uh, And I appreciate that they don't make. uh, Yeah, they don't like do close ups of them. Yeah. See what we did? You can totally miss it. You can totally miss it because uh, it's often oblique at an angle. They never even do like a side shot where you could see it clearly in the shot. It's like, yeah, it's there and and. It amuses us, <laughs> and if anybody else notices it, then good for them. Well, again, I that's it, it, to me. It just comes back to again the fully realized world. It's like we we have thought about all the echoes and details so much that it's not like look, we had an idea that we have to do a close up of it because you guys, we totally had an idea. Yeah, let's put it on screen. It's like no, the the this this the scene is full of ideas. <laughs> And if you want to like freeze frame it, you might spot some of them. But it's you know a movie that's just like a piece of hack work. It's just like you get what I just did there, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being so completely thought through and and full of full of all the details. And you you find them for yourself and go, did you notice that? Oh my god! Like the you know the the, the Bible with the collars and things like that. Yeah, and that's the it, and that is a, an indication of up oh, there it is right there. Next to her on the right hand side of screen, you can't nice. you can't even really tell what it is. But a, a clear clear shots in the behind the scenes, it's like those are clearly the they look the same as the fabricants, just yeah. little iconograph iconography of uh, of them. And just it, the thing, I mean, you, and you know for sure that there's alternate angles of you know there's there's going to be sure there's a, there's a there's a clearly a declarative shot from the side of her walking past that statically yeah. where you get a great look at it. Yeah. And in editing, they said you know yeah, it's too much. Don't need it. Yeah. Don't need yeah. it. Yeah. And it was a nice that, idea. I'm glad we did it, but no. And that what's that's what makes them great directors. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they made that choice because they're like that. That's us. That's us masturbating and not telling the story. Yeah. So let's not do that. Yeah, it, it's a it's a confident deepness. Yeah. It's confidently deep as opposed to look. You know, hey, yeah, it's a movie going. Look at all the the shit that's going on. Do you see all of it? And we go. Well, if you show me all of it, and that's <laughs> yeah. not being deep, no, and yeah. subtle, and all the other things that make something actually. Uh, matter of quality if you shove it down my throat it doesn't count as good yeah Yeah. then i'm not as excited about it exactly let me discover it by myself and then i get excited i feel like i did something you know what's you know what's cool when i realize how smart you are yeah not that you told me how smart you (laughs) are that blows me away when i go oh my god do you see what they did there those bastards didn't even telegraph it yeah they just did it 
I like this uh, this this seventies action scene. I like because, like you're saying, it has a bit of the vibe of an actual seventies movie mm-hmm. of you know Shaft and, and <laughs> things like that. French Connection, but I like the fact that it's that it's fucked up. It's not like you know Jackie Chan and John Claude Van Damme have a martial arts scene. This is this is what real you know street battles are like. It's no. like we we had a car crash and now I'm fucked up and where is he? And I shoot the wrong guy and we're chasing him into a building and there's a fucking poodle and then you know it's just everything's just a big mess and it's just this big sort of you know this is what this is what real violence is like it's yeah. not beautiful and choreographed it's just like uh, i just jump over the car that wait no that doesn't work <laughs> shit what do we do now okay thank god for the garbage truck as opposed to the future soul where everything is like a ballet of yeah of, you know of laser violence. violence you know it's amazing with and this this brawl here is just a brawl, just a freaking bar brawl. It's not pretty or you know glamorized at all. It's just people like swinging and punching. Yeah, not to go too far. Behind Although the I curtain. still like they that they use Jim Sturgis. They 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 still give him the energy of standing up for the oppressed, even though he would just he just wants to punch, and he'll punch anybody. <laughs> but he happens to be in on on the side of you know. The side of right. Not to go too far behind the curtain here, but I just stepped away to use the uh, the facilities. <laughs> and I come back, and on the chat room it says, you heard it here first, Mike's against masturbating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on screen. On screen. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, there are oh, layers. Okay. Don't know what I missed. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a result, a response to our... Uh, to me saying... Don't put it on... Don't showing it, it showing everything just on screen. masturbating as yeah. opposed to telling the story. Fair enough. Now, watching this sequence porn. right here, by the way, makes me think that I would have loved to have seen The Matrix exactly the same, <laughs> only in the 70s. Like, with really? 70s technology, but just... Well, this, we were, this as, look as, for uh, all like the agents. While and, you were, while you were, uh, you know, while, while you were stepped away, we were talking. Oh, it's, like it's, 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 it's that Bill yeah. Pullman, Sandra pissing. Bullock movie. While you were, while you were pooping, while you were pooping. <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah. Trey was talking about um, how it it is realistic and messy and and not perfectly not like the Matrix where everything is is very crisp. intricately choreographed and crisp and stuff. Here's like that. saw me again, except this time she's Mexican, I believe. <laughs> Trying yeah. and failing. Yeah. This no. No, <laughs> little too rubbery. Just a little too just rubbery. Looks, she looks like she's been stung by a bee. Yeah, like it's she looks like a, she looks like an Asian woman who's been stung by a bee. <laughs> well, I love, no, I true no true Scotsman reference. Fallacy. Yeah. Actually, yeah. call it name referencing the no true Scotsman fallacy. Yeah, yeah. but but it works. <laughs> it, yeah. it it works on them. Totally works. And there's there's the reference to because there's a, a recurring slavery thing. So she now she's talking about. She owns these people. These people are mine. And that's... Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which, you know, if you're British and, you know, in a bunch of... Well, if you're Scottish full of, or Northern Irish. That's what yeah. say, if you're British in a room full of Scots, that's yeah. not the tack you want to take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk about oppressing and Although there's a slightly and, different thing going on here. Like, there's slavery and then there's, like, indentured clonitude. They are old people in old people's home, which... Surely does feel like slavery to them, but the stakes are kind of different. They are different. No, yeah. there's no denying that. There's no denying. Like when he that says that she has used me and my pals for the most dire things, yeah. I'm like, is there like a like? Are they making meat out of them too? Yeah. Is that no. like the other thing? Like, what <laughs> yeah, are the right. dire? And no, there's, she's there's not a, even for dire anything. Scale. She's it's just, definitely a sliding it's, scale. But, it, but it's actually interesting, and I, I 
at first I I thought that that it was strange that it's like there's all these at first a, I thought her head exploded yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably crushed, just crushed your brain there, there's all these really important stories going on there's there's the uh, uprising of the fabricants they're saving you know the world from nuclear destruction over here and there's stuff the first like glimmer of hope after the apocalypse yeah and there and then there's this weird story about a dude trying to escape from <laughs> an old folks home and and you know this very silly kind of arch broad comedy thing um but i i ultimately wound up at least talking myself into liking the fact that it was in there because it's like yes and and you know overcoming slavery you know this guy becomes an abolitionist and stuff like that but you slip that that story in there because it's like there is no such thing as an unimportant story because his story is ultimately what inspires Sonmi. His story is so the idea is uh-huh. everybody's story matters. Everything is important, and this is why we tell each other story. And you never know whose experience is going to wind up being important later, which is the whole point of the movie. So right. uh, you, can, you, a, can, you can have a, an honorary, Reedy. It, you earned it. <laughs> it's Thank a, you. It's, yeah, it's a matter of of relativity because nothing really exists in absolute terms it's a matter of how you compare them from one to the other as, right. as i tweeted at the time like i watched uh i watched silver linings playbook immediately after watching life of pi which <laughs> probably wasn't a great <laughs> wow yeah. idea what are those people complaining about yeah it's like just just take your pills and shut the fuck up yeah, like, you're, not, you're not lost at sea you <laughs> watch the football game with your dad it's not that hard <laughs> yeah exactly but i mean they're both valid in their own sense yeah, but yeah. It, if you compare and contrast them in the wrong way then you get that sort of reaction. But there's still a, a matter of truth in terms of uh, every story is important to the people that are living it or that, that, are, that too, are participating yeah. in it. Yeah. They've just been running through the set of every single Ryan versus movie that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to have the... the, the uh, it's like Danny Elfman there. <laughs> we'll we'll have the immigrants making plus chickens in the background of, of RVD three. <laughs> there you we'll go. Make sure we keep. And that. that's and that's how the ending happens for RVD three right <laughs> yeah. there. Is that that lady, <laughs> that same lady, lady comes Whoa, in and just fucking yeah. murders one of us, bashes your brains. In. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end. Whoa. And the same thing. And while one and one of you is just like kind of staring at like what the fuck just happened, and she leans down next to whichever one of you is, is and don't call me a wet pack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and okay. Mike is like I'm part Mexican. I, yeah. I'm totally part Mexican. We're good. We're good. <laughs> lo siento, lo siento. <laughs> si se puede, si se puede. I love. I, I again, like you, like you were saying in the in the seventies thing is like theme right out loud. Totally the way something in Moby Dick is written. It's like he's cackling and saying his villain plan yes, exactly. right out loud. <laughs> yeah, when I don't nobody, pour my poison down your throat. Ah. I'm killing you because I want your gold. Yeah, <laughs> and when nobody is even like in the room, like even yeah. the, even the guy is like really not going to be listening to yeah. what the hell you're saying. It's like cackling and doing that shit to someone who's in a coma. Yeah. And you're just like strangling them, like ah, I am killing you. Finally, my dastardly plan is coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And no one will ever know. <laughs> Has anyone ever, any actual human ever considered their own deeds dastardly? I think everyone self-justifies. Has anyone, what would be funny is if someone hasn't. And like at some point in history, there was one guy who's like, I'm being dastardly all the time in my life because it's fun. I think that's called sociopathy. Yeah, the Joker. Uh, but uh... but he wouldn't, I don't think anyone who would do dastardly deeds would also be someone who would call deeds like that dastardly. Like, I think it's an impossible word that needs yeah, to be stricken from the language. Well, I think we the, all... It's in the eye of the beholder. It's something yeah. that... Uh, I think we all do shit that even at the time that we, we go, know is not... Uh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, I should yeah. be doing we, this. Yeah, And you do like, it anyway. I punned yeah. a lot on this episode. I Pretty dastardly. <laughs> 
Was that now? Now we're all sitting here going, "Is that a pun?" Nope. Is that? <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I didn't get that one. They won't know until later that it was my dastardly deed. <laughs> until I already have the gold, <laughs> and that would lead them back home. <laughs> no, wait, Luke. And again, the, it's the, too dangerous. And again, the idea that he says, uh, "You know, oh no, Sami, no," which is the equivalent of "Oh God, no." Yeah, yeah. You know, just, yeah. Uh, just a great little. What What is interesting to me about the about the future speak is. You know, they, they, the deep future speak, the deep future speak. They've, they've, you know, cre- come to, across the, they've, they've built their own new religion and, and all that stuff. They still have the term Judasing. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting choice. Uh, to the one thing they maintained from, from the old religion. Her life was painful and Judas. Yeah. 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 In, uh, in Star Wars, they have hell. Yeah. That's always, and ducks. Me. And ducks. <laughs> yeah. So they're apparently right now they're singing the uh, Cloud Atlas sextet or the the theme right now, but in a really you know somber and scary way. Dirge, yeah, <laughs> the Cloud Atlas dirge, Requiem even, nice Requiem for a clone. <laughs> they believe they are going to exaltation. Yeah. And this then, like, I love this the, bla- is, the blank it, look on her face. Was I the only yeah. one? Am I the only one that always thinks this in the scene like By this? The way, in all of the, the lady. Oh, there's the, the, yeah. the lady from the. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, does she never recur that yeah. character? Oh, there. Every she time is. there's a thing like this where what they're She's doing is they're, they're taking the hordes to their own doom. Yeah. Am I the only one who ever goes? This is like a really inefficient doom. Like they could have had. <laughs> it really least, is. They could have had like nine or ten doom rooms, but they're like just they've got like six hundred people. And they're all going to go into this one tiny little kind of porta potty. Yeah, they got to make jobs. Somehow. This is labor intensive. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also really sl- like the faster way. To, even if they were going to bottleneck it like that, they could have just like she walks it. Boom. Uh, next. Boom. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could speed it up a little bit. Have yeah. doom chambers. And here we get and, the Christian symbolism yeah. that they couldn't resist. The Wachowskis. They're like, yeah, give them a give them a little crucifixion. I didn't notice. Okay. Sometimes bodies just do that. Yeah, sometimes bodies do just do that, but never by accident in film. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nothing is an accident. Everything is planned. I like the uh, the fact. What's about in football games and film? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Despite the fact that it is, it is a little bit, you know, inefficient to like. Okay, you know, the whole thing, and you know, I like the fact oh, that yeah. at least once they once they kill her, it becomes very clinical. Like bang, boom, zam, boom, out the door. Yeah. Like factory workers, yeah. as described as yeah. So it's weird. It's like it's. The the idea of in their way they're being compassionate, you know, it's yeah. like well they you know they think right to the last second they think it's all going to be wonderful and fantastic and then they die instantly. And this is going to take off the collar, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know yeah. we're being humane and nice about it. Yeah, it's the equivalent of doing the okay. I'm going to pull it off on three. Ready? Yeah, one. <laughs> you're dead. I mean that's the that that is the way we that is currently aside from where we don't talk to them obviously, but that's basically the way we kill cows now. Yeah, that's exactly the way that. We kill cows everything is everything is mostly okay until that last moment. Yeah. Do we do it with guns or do we slit their throats? We do it's it with like a, a big staple gun. We do it with a, a, a big, a air big nail to the brain. Yeah. yeah. Big, oh. Did you see? No. Uh, it used to be a guy with a sledgehammer, but yeah. now it's now it's Jeez. mechanical. Did you see? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, who's the boxer? Um, George Foreman. George Foreman. The job was called being a stunner. I mean, literally, the cow would come around a corner and you would smack it in the head with a with a <laughs> sledgehammer. That was the job before it was automated. Um, and George Foreman, before he became a boxer. Was a stunner wow. in a slaughterhouse um, before so, he went on to make grills. And so, yeah, exactly. And so, so someone said He's been on both sides of the industry. Said, uh, karmically, you're a cow. You come around the corner, and there's George Foreman with a sledgehammer. What did you do wrong? <laughs> 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 That's got to be a question that crosses your mind. <laughs> hey, George, what's the sledgehammer for? What did I do to deserve this? 
Yeah. So, Look at fucking Hanks. So here's Hanks. Look at him, Hanks. Acting. About to make a terrible, his terrible mistake yeah. that everything would have been fine if he hadn't done it, but yeah, he just, just couldn't quite resist. Just like, yeah. No, I'm totally going well, to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not good at it, so it's going to take yeah. a second. Yeah. Sorry, still working out the kinks. Sorry, here. my first time. My first one. <laughs> Your trachea is getting I'll do caught. better next time, I yeah, promise. Why do I care? Yeah. And getting your throat cut like that would be awful. Oh yeah, every yeah. that's the thing that always getting gets your throat me. cut in any way. I think would be pretty <laughs> well. No, good. just yeah. like every time I see anything like that in movies, I always think that or in real life, that is the worst thing that I can imagine in terms of like a forced murder. That's not it torture. Is. That's it's, not torture because you have to experience it. You have yeah. to like go. Okay, yeah. wow. You have to actually feel that happening. Yeah. That's just awful. Yeah, and, and and then you feel yourself breathing through your neck for a second yeah. and gurgling, and it's just that's just horrifying. Okay, everybody stop. Yes, please. <laughs> here we go. Um, Speaking of losing your head, here's some severed heads coming up here. Yeah, and uh, long pork. Yeah, the the horror of realizing that, and and it's interesting. They don't really get into it, but um, in the, the skinned in ones the, are a nice touch. Yeah, they don't get into it in the movie, but they do um, in the book a little bit, which is that. It's not just that they're lying to the fabricants. They are lying to everybody. Everybody believes that the fabricants go to exaltation, and that's how everybody accepts this underclass of people. They're like, well, you know, we treat them like shit. And what whatever, is exaltation in, the, exalt- in, their, in their mythos? Basically, they, they get their own little, they get their own private island in, in Hawaii, and they get to live out the rest of their lives. And it's they don't 12, have Google Maps yeah, in the future? It's 12 years of servitude, and then they go, get to go live on their own little private island or whatever, where every, they're taken care of and all that stuff. No and one's so, seen parts. No one's seen the island. No one's seen Sonny Green. And so, so so when 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 Sonmi tells this part of the story, because it's told in in it's sort of like World War Z that 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 particular segment is like in interview format where it's the archivist asking her and then she answers and then the archivist responds and, and back and forth like that. It's like a transcript of their conversation um, from from the archives. He is horrified. And he, he is like, you have to be lying, because if that's true, then this entire system is complete bullshit. She's like. That would be true, wouldn't yep. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If and that was actually true, it might compel you to do some pretty heinous shit, wouldn't yeah. you think? There would be a revolution if everyone heard that. That's basically it, yeah. If, if, if that were true, that, then... That would be perfect dialogue. There would be a revolution yeah. if everyone heard that. Um, and so that... But so that's... Anyway, that's the gotta indi- stop this revolution. That's the indication, I think, in the book that something is going to happen. Is that is that the archivist is like, no, that can't be... That can't be true. That's horrifying. She's like... I've I'm just here to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you can decide what to do with it if you want. Uh, you don't want to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do anything else for you. Um, whereas in the movie, it's much more explicitly like, "Yeah, I got you," <laughs> and that's that's all that matters. Um, because also in the in the in the book, uh, the Sonmi story is very different. Um, she's basically kidnapped, or she's she's taken by a bunch of college students who are trying to create an ascended fabricant, but just as like a school job like <laughs> for nobody their, for their senior project for their senior project like nobody really they nobody knows that they're with union so to speak but then in the end it turns out this was actually all a conspiracy by unanimity to create an enemy for people to rally against and to like so it, it her whole thing was unanimity creating her to cr- use her as a boogeyman to get other people, you know, every so often it's like, well, the people are going to want to revolt every so often. So we have to give them something and then show them why that's a bad idea. And the archivist is like, well, why, if you knew that, why are you going along with it? And she's like, well, cause it's going to backfire. <laughs> cause, cause this time they're not going to, they're not going to just sit down and take it. So 
that's what. That's, that's what a rather complex thought to get across in yeah. the 22 minute version of the story yeah. in this movie. So she's like, that's what you think will happen, but it's not. And I know that. And that's why I'm going along with it. But it, it is a similar thing where she, they, they do get a bit of that where the archivist says, you knew you were going to get captured and you knew you were going to get killed and, and like you, you're going to get executed for it. And she's like, Oh yeah, totally. Actually, that's what me and Keith David talked about before, before we came out here. Like I agreed to that. And he's like, why? Like, because then we'd have this interview and everyone would hear the story as opposed to me just, you know, dying in exile, basically. So what is this movie about? We got 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie haven't, about? Haven't we been doing it's about, it's about what it means to be human. Yeah, it is. It's about, I mean, it's, yes. it there literally you go. is. Um, if, if, if you could give me the log line for Cloud Atlas, what would it be? Christ. Get, no, that that's, I can't just do that's that. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. I know. They couldn't advertise it to get people to go see it. It's a, it's, Hmm. Is it 2001 plus Moby Dick and Blade Runner? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's a it's and Master a, Commander. Well, Moby Dick, yeah, Master. Well, well it's Master it's Commander. about it's about transcending boundaries. It's about you, there's this idea that the way things are is the way they they've always been and the way they always will be, and the idea that there is nothing that any one of us can do to change it. And the the movie is saying no, one person can and does make a difference. Even if you don't make it within your lifetime, you are going to affect someone down the line, and they're going to affect someone. And there are these there are these ripples. Um, that, I mean, the, the line again, sometimes this movie feels like it's being very abstract and sometimes it's like hitting you right over the head and the, the line of what is an ocean, but a multitude of drops. That's what this movie is about. This movie is about a, you know, one drop can't do anything, but a lot of drops moving in the same direction is a tsunami, you know? Yeah. It's, it's about the things that even though they seem massive and unchangeable and un, Unyielding? Unyielding, yeah, it's a good word. Unyielding still will ultimately end up changing. Yeah. Nothing and, and are and are subject to change based from people working to change them. Yeah. The only I, I think the way I as a theme, I think the the pithy way to say it is it's it's demonstrating that the only natural the only true natural order is change. And I'm, everyone I'm, who thinks that the natural order is unchangeable doesn't get it. I love that that moment right there. Because as you, we were just talking about earlier before with the 70s aspect of like, this is not, you know, nice choreographed movie <laughs> violence. This is actual weird and ugly and awkward gross real life violence. In that one shot there, Tom Hanks has stabbed the guy in the back before you even realized and he, even he realizes uh-huh. that he has in fact done that. <laughs> yeah. oh. like, like the shot just kind of cuts to that and it's already just happened. Uh-huh. And even he kind of has a shock like, oh, yeah. I, I, I did it. Like, even the movie, it's like, oh, I yeah, realized whoa, whoa, we're doing done. that over here. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, totally stabbed that guy. <laughs> can I get another take? Yeah, can you do that again? But it's I not like that in the sci-fi. The, the, sci- the fight that takes place in the sci-fi thing between the guy with the guns and all that but because that's is what, super... It's true, because... Uh, it's, it's being genre aware. It, yes, exactly. It's like, that's what happens in that kind of movie, so that's what happens in that story. And it, that's what happens in that kind of movie because of the Wachowskis, but they don't really, they don't <laughs> yeah, make exactly. a deal about it. Yeah, they don't spend the, time. E- even the Wachowskis affect the things way in the future. Yeah, like, exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a future movie with, and people are gonna, people are gonna hate us if we don't do, you know, come on. If we don't do it. He's gotta run on the wall at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something about film grammar made me think like, he pulls up the guy. He's been puking his guts out. He's still not right, but he can at least stand on his own. And he says, look where we're going. And he says, home. Film grammar makes me go three, yeah. two, and the and, and then just like like, like like a bullet hole just opens up his head. Just uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he never got to see it. Yeah, 
Actually, he saved my life, and then he died. Yeah. Actually, there is a. Uh, is this the same? Is this Son Me? Same actress? No. Okay. No. I was going to say it's astounding what eyeshadow can do to a person. <laughs> yeah. And a. And but it is. It is interesting <laughs> that apparently, apparently a, a fake birthmark in but, his in his family. You know, he, his family married into the. There's Asians in Six Smith's family, so so you're starting to get that kind of interesting uh, uh, crossover of cultures and ethnicities already, even in this story, and then later on, yeah. it transitions completely. San Francisco, man. Yeah. <laughs> they do that stuff. Who is this actor? I don't think I've ever seen him anywhere else. Yeah, he's... he's uh, Michael Fassbender's younger, cheaper, unknown doppelganger. <laughs> he looks... No- what? He looks nothing like Fassbender. I think he looks a little no, bit like him. The- I think it's, it's not in, as much as I was just claiming, but I think it looks okay. a little bit. Like, I think he was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He looks more like Fassbender oh, than uh, Halle well, Berry does. Uh, uh, not this guy. Not, not the not the Cumberbatch was in Tinker Tailor. Not the Cumberbatch yeah. guy. The yeah. other guy. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he was. I think I, I. Oh my gosh, were they gay together in that movie? <laughs> no, he wasn't Cumberbatch's uh, uh, oh. guy. I like how in that sentence, gay was like an activity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did they gay together? Oh, him? Yeah, we were gay together in college. <laughs> oh, we gayed the hell out of college. Yeah. Oh, we, we gayed like you can't believe. We gayed twice on some weekends. <laughs> that was the most gay I've ever done. And there's Jim Broadbent there for a second. Jim Broadbent showing up like, hello, I'm enlightened. No one cares. All right. <laughs> so whose ship is this? Is this one of the ancient people's ships? This No, this is the... Uh, the these are the prescience. So are the prescience like totally fine? The pre- no, they're dying too. No, but are like yeah. they totally like normal civilized society. Well, they're, the, they're the they're the last little holdouts who have the old technology. Most of the world made a big ass boat. But they yeah. but the interesting thing is they still they still talk like the island people, uh, and I so I I wonder if it's kind of like well we still we don't really know how to make it anymore, but we can still press the buttons and turn it on. And we still kind of get that. <laughs> so. We're just not entirely. It's just a really big boat stuff. for people who talk like that to have made. That's true. Well, they may not have. It, it may be that they didn't make it. They're just. They are just keeping it. You know. Maybe I, I think that they're. I always get the impression that they. You know, they have ongoing technology. It's just that there's so few of them left. Right. You know, they're the they're the monks who you know preserve civilization through the dark ages. You know, they can still do it, but it's like we gotta. What are we gonna do about the rest of these barbarian motherfuckers? <laughs> we gotta, we gotta do something. It's like, and their, their choice is actually no. We can't, we're not gonna do anything. We're gonna get the hell out. Yeah. Let's, let's let's see if we can. You know, those people who escaped to the other planet. Let's see if they'll come get us. Because we're that's this planet, what happened. This planet's yes. not going to make it. Yeah, that the whole. St- I didn't know if she was asking like if she wanted aliens or something. Like I didn't no, get that. Yeah, the whole the whole story is a bunch of us left before the fall, and then the fall happened. So we lost the ability to talk to them. But the fall was was a, appears to be a nuclear holocaust. But and the other planet was like, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, and they're like, well, yeah, it's like we haven't heard from them, so whatever. We can't go back. So. Yeah, there it is. And then, uh, and then finally, they sent a signal, being like, "No, no, come get us." <laughs> and and the or the fact that, the, or the fact that they ultimately clearly get. there's a big facility that sends signals that just hadn't been used in so long for whatever reason. Right. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, well, like I guess you know, no point in going back to Earth. They're all dead. They've lost all the technology. Yeah. It's like, no, there's still some of us. We'd really like to come join you in space if we yeah. could. Well, actually, just, actually, I don't think the, else is accountable. I don't think the prescience. Now that I think about it, the time that she was talking to the Altua guy, I don't think they talked. Island speak. I think she's just code switching when she's with Zachary. Yeah, I think so. she's 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 learned. She's she's an emissary. She yeah. she knows how to talk there. Yeah. Their so so motiv- they are still. What was his motivation for killing himself? His motivation for killing himself. Like that seemed that came out of nowhere. It's interesting. Even it's, though they literally led the movie with it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh it's. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's telegraphed a little bit more in the in the um, uh, in the script. He has a line where because because life is just 
sucking for him. You know, the, yeah. the people are after him and he's never going to do anything great again and stuff like that. And, and he and has a broadband's going to tell everyone he's gay yeah. and that's going to end his life for sure. And he has a he has a line in there that's not in the movie that it that is better to become music. And it's like, I'm just going oh, to put movie. this that's out in the movie. world. Oh, is it? Yeah. He, he's putting it out into the world and that's becoming him. And he, and also he believes in, he believes in an afterlife and reincarnation and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, I've done the best I can in this life. Uh, I'm going to get out of here because it's, <laughs> and give it another shot. Yeah. And give it another shot and I'll meet you later. So it's not, it's not a sad thing for him. He's like, he's like, I can either go 40 years before getting to reboot or I can just do it right. now. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it, and I'm sure we'll hook up again later. And he's saying, you know, I'm, peace out, bro. This is yeah. the this is the one great thing that I'm going to do in this life, the piece of music. Yeah. Better to so, become music. That's actually so a pretty So why just become, yeah. this, become the music and then yeah. get This is my shot. legacy. This is all that needs to be left of me in yeah. this world, and I will come back as something else and, and give it another shot, like you said. So that, that was... Um, his th- whole thing in that, I, and I like. Oh, this. I felt that way after I made a really cool balloon hat. One. <laughs> and I, I exactly. better to become this balloon. That was a good balloon hat. You should have killed yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like you this peaked. bit that they get. Just uh, uh, in terms of juxtaposition, it's like if we were going with the reincarnation thing. You know, we've got Jim Sturgis and and Duna Bay here, and they lose each other. You know, it's a love story. But then the next thing we're about to see is is Adam Ewing coming home to his wife, played by Duna Bay, and they get to, and they have each other. So it's like, there is a, a weird w- recursive happy ending for this story. But where a they contrasting. Get to, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like they're going to meet in these various lifetimes and sometimes it's going to work out and they'll get to spend their lives together and sometimes it won't. But it's, it, it's a bittersweet thing. It's not it's all a, tragedy. It's a superposition. Yeah. It's yeah. the bitter and the sweet, the tragic and the happy all yeah. crammed on top of each other. If you take the long view, if you yeah. buy the so reincarnation it idea, it's yeah. kind of like, well, that one didn't go so well. Yeah. But, you know. He, they got it once, so yeah, it's well, like, you can't, it can't work out, you know, yeah, can't next, win one, next one, it might work out again. Yeah. You never know. It did once, it didn't this time, maybe next time. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, so that, that is an interesting way to kind of put a happy twist yeah. on the sad. Yeah. Again, it's like, that doesn't work, but I will... Let you have your blood ribbons <laughs> and just it's tell me. It's so the story. close, though. I mean, we didn't yeah. really like have, try and. F- What's the issue? It's with an uncanny. Her eyes are glowing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it really is. Her eyes look like they're catching too much light. Yeah, because they are just painted bright green. They things did. That are yeah, on they her did eyeballs. actually do some eye replacement to because it it was contacts and it's like oh that's not working. So they actually tried. That's to, the that's the result of the fix. Not necessarily. Not in every I was shot. Say, probably, shit. But I, I mean, maybe, I was, was going to say what they should have done is gone through and just replaced the irises or at least at the top of them where they wouldn't be catching that light. So yeah, here's where she's what she's saying. What he's saying. Wait, you knew this was going to happen. She's like, yeah. Well, then why'd you do this? Because you were going to come here and talk to me and this is going to go on the public record. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. Doy. Yeah. I have a thought. Clearly, since these are humans, that she was a little girl and then she eventually was old enough to go work at McDonald's. No. She's a clone. She was she was made this age, basically. Oh, so it's movie cloning. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say, because it seems like if it was that she was a little girl and then... And they kept her in like a school camp or something like that until she was old enough to work at McDonald's that it, the implication sort of was that they kind of churn through these guys pretty fast. They like, get 12 years and then they're, they're out. Yeah. So they're like and they're throwing them out at like age 36. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like, well, if you 
what you could have used that clone a little bit more before you made yeah, it. The into system food. breaks down if you have to raise them from birth. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, although, although, let's be fair, the Wachowskis are not known for their uh, self-sustaining sci-fi systems. Exactly. They're, they're, <laughs> okay. They're, they're, they're big on lossy systems. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. for, that are supposed for to be self-sustaining. And there's yeah. the, there's a uh, the uh, the lady from the um, a bunch of people. Uh, that we've seen before. Everyone came for dinner. Yeah, are are sitting at the dinner table, being part of part of the system. Everyone who's part of the system in other in other lifetimes is at this table, being part of this system. So the uh, so in the Matrix, the the big physics uh, hit against it is that the human beings are batteries, which thermodynamically doesn't make any fucking sense right, whatsoever, yeah. and it gets a lot of shit for that. I've heard, and it's on the TV tropes page that the original, the Wachowski's idea was that. The the matrix was ba- formed off of the neural processing of, in other words, like a the, network. Really, the humans weren't batteries; they were processor chips. Okay, and I the, use that. I I I didn't know that. I but okay. it, it seems it seems like an obvious thing because when I was talking about the when I did the matrix reloaded like alternate pitch yeah, thing, you, I did the same thing. Right. So right, it right. seems like the obvious thing to do. Well, um, the story but so I've the idea the, that they're sustaining the humans are themselves sustaining the matrix. Exactly. In that well, way then who is, called in that change? Yeah. The, it, supposedly, the legend in TV tropes has it as it was the the studio saying, "Oh, people are too stupid to understand right. a a distributed <laughs> network system." So make, it, so make it dumber, yeah. Make it dumber Done. and less less sensible. <laughs> you will have your wish. But okay, I was I was wondering if you knew for certain if that was the case in the source. Of I it. don't know. I know that there are a couple of drafts of of the Matrix <laughs> out there, a couple of script drafts, so it's worth checking out. I haven't read them though. Okay. So. I keep meaning to, but then I'm like, well, why? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> why torture yourself? So yeah, his whole story here, the Jim Sturgis goes from being a being a coward to being an abolitionist to being a kung fu abolitionist. <laughs> in, in <Minnesota>. <laughs> That's a better name. Yeah, kung fu abolitionist for the movie. The kung fu abolitionist, up. and then finally Abraham, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, Abraham yeah. Lincoln, zombie hunter. After that, apparently. No. Kung Fu Abolitionist. <laughs> okay, come on now. We, we got to do that one. Yeah, let's let's make that move. If that movie doesn't already exist, how how could there be an entire culture of black exploitation yeah. and that movie Tarantino, does not exist? Are you listening? Kung Fu Abolitionist. Kung Fu Abolitionist. <laughs> it's like it's like you know the it's like the the high Shanghai Noon thing. Except yeah. we we go even further. Instead of Owen Wilson, it's you know Django Unchained. We kind of go that way instead. No, it's about this Asian guy who comes to the West and. <laughs> Helps free the slaves, teaches them all kung fu. Come on! So there's, there's a little love story in there, and there's once again he's he's nope. having his thing. <laughs> nope, he's yeah. saying, but he's he's <laughs> oh. you know it's it's Hugo Weaving saying two hundred percent too much eyes on that one. There's a yeah. natural order, and people who try to upend it don't fare well. And it's like that's often true. Yeah, you, but that doesn't mean he's not wrong. Right? <laughs> that doesn't mean it's not worth doing. That doesn't mean they don't ultimately succeed. In their, I mean, this this movie actually has a lot in common thematically with their version of V for Vendetta, not with the original V for Vendetta, which is anarchism, but yeah. but with their version of V for Vendetta, that one person can make a difference by inspiring other people. But but that person that, may not win themselves. Yeah, that person may lose. Yeah. But the but ideas are bulletproof. Ideas can still win, and that's that was bootyful. <laughs> Well, the ideas are bulletproof line comes from the movie. I can't <laughs> claim credit for that. Oh. But um no longer bootiful. Yeah. But I mean you could you could cut the story of V for Vendetta in here too, and it would be yeah. it would perfectly <laughs> be thematically <laughs> just Phantom edit V for Vendetta through this as well. Yeah. If only Hugo Weaving would take his mask off, but then he would be V, which would be confusing. Yeah. So 
seriously, a lot of the makeups in this movie are just fucking outstanding. Yeah. This one's another one where it's like, Jesus, there's that's a lot of work on his head. Yeah. That's just a lot of work. There's also a couple of things. I don't, I don't know if it's intentional, but there's a couple of moments where you see, where there's talk of like, you know, ripples in a pond and there's, you know, the, the little Zen garden thing. There's like rocks with ripples coming out. All the roads look like ripply. <laughs> so, so I, that, in the, in the yeah. future, in the sci-fi world, like when you walk through the road, there's a ripple effect yeah. through the road. So I, and in so the it's restaurant clearly, itself. It's yeah. The, on the yeah. floor. Yeah. So clearly thematically, there's something like that going on. It's not as heavy as to say there is a serious, recurring thing going on but you see it oh we there. just saw his yeah he's his yeah. birthmark he's got the comet so yeah but that's a that's a fun reveal because you you did right see there it. right there see that look at the moons yeah no <laughs> lighting wrong that's not how lighting yeah. works you don't get one full moon and one crescent moon yeah not how it works <laughs> sorry sorry other planet <laughs> that's just yeah. not how light works i'm yeah. sorry moons well it could be a <laughs> sorry moons i don't mean to it could, it could be a tandem planet system so that could be but one would be ca- if the, unless the moon was huge <laughs> yeah, yeah. they would both be catching the light from both suns unless yeah. one is shadowing the other no mm. i guess that's we, possible. Ca- we took the picture would, during an eclipse it would have just, to be on the other side wrong. though yeah i like it i like it yeah. I like, like she grew up to be Maya Angelou. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way. Well, I do, kind of all of us do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I do like their their interaction. Like you really believe yeah. the chemistry. Wait for just it. In that totally old wait for they it. Totally, they totally wait for boned. it. Get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Like, you got the it. Thing is in the comet. Is in the sky. The comet because it's yeah, the, it was, in the story. That was a shooting star. Comet is a totally different astronomical phenomenon. No, the Tick shape the, of the comet sorry. is in the sky. There, not oh. an actual comet. Well, so the Brian comet didn't get go it. by as well. This well, movie's stupid. But shooting star is yeah. not a comet. Brian's right about that, but the the shape of the no. Anyway, strong work, David Mitchell. Yeah, Tom. It, it's especially what a I big mean, mess from from a, from a literary standpoint. Dick I Burr. think the Burke. Bur- the Burke. <laughs> yeah, the Burke. Ermagerd. 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 The Burke was Burner. Clurdlers. I do. I do think. Oh, this Burger sucks. Did you read the Burke? Clurdlers. I I think it is worth reading. Uh, just from a if if so you're Natalie if you yeah well if you're into but don't in, take my word for it take Natalie Portman's if you're into enjoying the words on the page <laughs> you know the words cause, yeah <laughs> well no because some people just want to you know read a story and that's why um Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey happen um but some people are actually into enjoying like the craft of you know the words on the page and stuff like that and Cloud Atlas is amazing in that sense because each story is its own style it's emulating a certain style it's emulating you know the Moby, the, the, the intro section, the, the, uh, journal of Adam Ewing is written like Moby Dick and it has totally that, that feel to it. And then the 1970s stuff is written like a, a pulp novel you, paperback you just pick up at the airport. And, and, um, it's each story is like, like Trey is saying, it's, it's its own completely developed world. Hugo um, Weaving could actually play Hitler if you wanted to. Yeah, if you, if you look, with that mustache, Hugo even could actually be. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'd watch that movie. Oh, I'd watch the hell out of that movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would recommend the book if you are, you know, if you're, if if you're someone who reads a lot. If you're not someone who reads a lot and and is like, I need to, you know, I need to start reading more. Cloud Atlas is not the place to start. <laughs> but, oh, look. So the so they're cycling through all of their various characters they play. Yeah. And having the names next to them, and then the font actually changes along with them, depending on the time period. Ooh, fancy. Nice. Nice touch, guys. And Susan Sarandon for two. No, no she's, she's in like five. Four. Yeah, she's in four of them. And, and Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Let's see Hugh. God, he's amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamming someone's foot into his mouth. Anyway, so this movie, I, I've seen it twice today. Uh, yeah, I love how nasty Hugh Grant is in this yeah. one. And He's I'm barely just get getting dirty. started. I, I, I just, what a weird fucking movie. And it's yeah. very interesting and oddly um, beneficial to repeat viewings. Like, I, I think even once you understand it, you're still going to catch shit on the 50th viewing. So that's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. And um, just the generally, kind of movie you roll around in your mouth for a while. I, yeah, I, I, well, it's the kind of movie that Hugh Grant rolls around in his mouth yeah. for a while. I'll tell you that. But uh, I, 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 um, weird. Uh, it, it's still <laughs> it I, I, my my takeaway from this <laughs> is mostly that I think this is. I I have no reason to think this isn't a masterpiece, and I'm sure that future viewings will. Wait, you know. let's let's take one second to clap for the unit production managers. Yeah. On yes. Yay, go UPMs! Damn. I love that. I I do love this about it the, too. The, the, the double f- credits. The the fact that yeah, each yeah. unit is getting a simultaneous credit. Um, and the fact and the fact that uh, when they listed their when they listed the directing credits, uh, they they put they put Tom in the middle. They yeah. put him in the middle. They didn't put like side by side. They didn't put them first. Or him above or below. They're like nope, all of Andy us. Andy, w- it, it was straight it was, across. It was Andy Wachowski and Tom Tikva. And Lana, Lana Wachowski. Wachowski. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, the director's guild was like, okay, seriously, we, well, we, we already didn't like them when you were doing it as siblings. Yeah. And now three directors, we don't, we don't do that. Right. Anyway, um, the thing I take away from this is just, I think this will probably end up having been a masterpiece once I've sort of figured it out. And, uh, I'm bummed that the world seems like it's aching to take away all of their movie credit and not let them do anything anymore. Because if they had to <laughs> beg and steal and scrap to get this movie made and then no one saw it, they had to beg and steal and scrap to get it made, and then yeah. no one saw it. Like, I, I wonder, I really hope that the next one they do, the whole world fucking loves it. Not I, even for myself, just so that we can keep getting these people making movies. Well, that was movies. this time, but the next time through, yeah, yeah exactly. it'll work out. Team Wachowski, <laughs> Team Tikva. I Yeah, I hope that, because uh, a- after this, if, they, if the studio's like, okay, well, you guys want another one. The next one they will do will have to be the studio mandated, yeah. whatever. Yeah, they need it. They so, need a hit, maybe. The Matrix yeah. refrigerated. So take yeah. whatever the next thing that they do is will probably be a studio whatever. Yeah. Just give that to them. Yeah. And let make them, a Batman. Yeah. Ma- let make them, a Batman for the studio. Let them make their Batman and then hopefully we can come back. Uh, they I'm should su- they should do the Punisher. Yeah. I'm surprised that they haven't. You know what I'm surprised I'm a little surprised about is that uh, Warner Brothers keeps going through people. They're trying to find someone to make a live-action Akira. How come you yeah. never <laughs> tried to hook up with yeah, really. the Wachowskis with the live-action Akira? But anyway, uh, must have had that meeting. Uh, nah. Brian, cloud out. Uh, yeah. So, like I said at the beginning, I had seen this movie twice in rapid succession. So this is number three, and I feel like I need three or four more <laughs> at least. Just uh, starting to get a grip on it. Yeah, it really is. It's a matter of like I. I watched this twice, which is more than, you know, I've watched some movies for, for, uh, for this show. I almost said the wrong word, uh, wrong name. Uh, but for this one, I really feel like I just need more. There's so much going on and it's so well crafted and there's nothing I can say in one sentence that's going to accurately reflect the depth and craft of this movie. It's just the experience itself. Trey. It's, uh, well, actually, it's, it does actually, uh, I think, parallel 2001 in a sense of, mm. I don't think it you know necessarily has the right the same because 2001 was a hit at the time so there's a difference um, it's ouch yeah. <laughs> well the 2001 was successful for one yeah, I, well I speak the truth uh, that's what yeah, I yeah, the for. true true yeah the true true I, I come to say the true true um, so 2001 you know people say 2001 was of a different era it was amazing for its time and visual um, and no one had ever seen a movie like that and the fact that it was you know inexplicable 
on first viewing was was not a negative because people were more accessible to to movies and you know they weren't we weren't uh, 40 years on in this uh, every movie must make sense and have a happy ending and the dog and they go off in the sunset and you were totally cool with a movie where you sat in a the theater for two hours and go i didn't understand a goddamn bit of that but that was awesome and i was high as hell exactly <laughs> and uh, oh you know what this should be this will be a great stoner movie. oh my that's God, when it's going to come into its own and they're going to figure it all out for us <laughs> um and you know cloud atlas is is it's a throwback to what movies used to be which is like hey Sit here. I made a movie. Watch it. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Uh, you know that's that's the contract. It's not like I owe you a happy ending and a kiss at the end and three explosions. It's like Even I mean, we got all that exactly. Yeah. And this movie gives you all that. You know, it's boys kissing, but hey, you didn't specify. But um, you know, but it's like this. They movie, just like to gay. This is a movie where they said, "Look, we're gonna make you know, it's a freaking movie. It's it's a movie. It's not you know, it's not a it's not a actually, I guess." The, uh, the more accurate term is film. No. Um, this is more of a film than a movie, if you want to split hairs between the definitions. Of that. A movie is, you know, and then at the end, he hits the hitting, winning home run, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is like, here's an experience. We're throwing a lot of stuff at you. We made it really well, yeah. and there's good actors in it acting <laughs> really well. Um, You're going to have to join us in yeah, this process. If it, if it bugs you that it's not so easy to understand, then... Sorry, but that's not what we were going for. We're not making a goddamn Transformers movie here. Um, and like I said, this used to be, you know, this used to be what movies were. And you would go, I didn't really quite get it, but man, it was really well made. I really liked it. Whereas, but now, like a movie like this comes out, and people, people who are so conditioned to what movies are, is is there's a there's like a, a an indignance about that movie didn't make any sense. It was dumb. Like, okay. <laughs> Where's the rule that says a movie has to make sense? Where's that rule? Show me that rule. Where's that book? It's like, no, a movie is whatever a person chooses to put on a screen. And you watch it and you absorb and you take what you can take from it. Um, that's what a movie really was and has been <laughs> until recently. And now it's a product that gets churned right. out and it all tastes the same. It's McDonald's. But Special thanks to Natalie Portman. Right. Yeah, see, there you go. Front right row there. center. <laughs> exactly. Now we know why. Um so again, this is one of those movies is like, I, you know, God bless everybody for making this thing. And I, I wish that we lived in a world where this was the biggest hit of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't live in that world, but you know, maybe the next one, but, uh, it's this amazing accomplishment. It's an amazing piece of work and uh, just testament to everybody who made it. I, you know, and even I don't like necessarily love this movie. Um, but I respect the fuck out of it. And I, I wish you know, more people would make more movies like this than the movies they do make. Mike, how come you didn't make Cloud Atlas? <clears throat> you think it was hard for them to get a hundred million <laughs> yeah, really. to make this movie? Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Well, the thing is, I think Cloud Atlas does make sense. It's just that you can't you can't be well, I, a passive. I will, I will viewer. take that back. And two thousand one makes sense too. It's just it doesn't give it to you easily. Yeah, you know you, this movie makes this movie makes the sense that it makes. Yeah. It's not random imagery, no doubt. But two thousand one, that's what people say about two thousand one. I didn't get it. It's like, well, there, just because it didn't spoon feed you what it was doing, right, doesn't mean it wasn't doing a thing. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's because I think there is a legitimacy to complain about a movie. It's like that movie was just a series of random images, exactly. and I did not enjoy it, and I don't think there was anything there to enjoy. You know, and that um, can be true. But uh, uh, Cloud Atlas is not one of those. But I I can see where people would. <laughs> make that mistake because it's not a movie that you can watch passively it's a movie that you have to meet halfway because it's like you're you know the like you said it's it's the the kind of 
old school way of doing it. It's like you are helping us tell this story. Like you are you are a an active role by being your ability to comprehend it is half of the story (laughs) (laughs) exactly Exactly. you're you're helping us tell tell this by by engaging with we're giving you the benefit of the doubt that you're going to follow this yeah so uh, yeah i i and i i i respect the movie and i like that the movie respects the audience in a sense the movie is going you know what (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say that that all those you know all the penguins are wrong and uh and you're gonna track with this you got this didn't go anywhere with him but it was a nice thought (laughs) really it was such a noble thought they (laughs) had (laughs) such a noble idea it's like you're standing in front of a gang like i believe that you're not going to shoot me because you have it in your heart i believe believe that you actually are a decent human you just shot me didn't you yeah okay (laughs) i don't know if I, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't listened to their reactions about uh, how it fared, but I don't know if it's that that is as much as their mindset as it is. You know what? We might take a huge hit on this, but this movie needs to exist anyway. Yeah, which I yeah, would. You never know. I would certainly. I would. Would it be nice it, to have a hundred million and be able to go? You know what? I mean, you know, be the Elon Musk, like, we're going to try and make electric car work. I know it's bullshit, and it probably yeah. we're going to fail, we're going to lose all our money, but what the hell? I want to see another- But it's worth trying. I want to yeah. see another U- United Artists show up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another one that, that's going to, the Wachowskis can go to them and go, we don't know what, we don't even know what this is, but we think it deserves to exist, and they yeah. go, okay. All right. Yeah. Let's Here's, do it. There you go. Let's right. give it a shot. Um... Yeah, don't don't run three times over budget and tank us. Exactly. This time, but, uh, you know. Cloud Atlas make Mike happy? Yeah, I love it. I, I really do. I think it's I, true, I, true. Yeah, it, it, there's, like you say, there's so much going on that it, to, to have a movie like, like you say, to have a movie like this, because we get a lot of movies that are superficially like this, or like parts of it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but none of them have the, the depth of this one. And for this one to actually come in and not only be telling a, a story, but also have this meta commentary on, making film you know because the the experimentation with with the way it's edited and stuff like that is is clearly kind of we're taking a look at and taking a deconstruction of this is how stories are told we're we're exploring six different ways of telling story and we're exploring one overall overarching way of telling a story and there's so much going on there that that there is to engage with it's just a really exciting film and i i'm really upset by how how poorly it's done but i i really think that you know this doesn't this isn't necessarily a one-to-one thing but the wizard of oz bombed when it came out yeah. and now it's classic exactly. i really believe that the same that cloud atlas is going to fare the same way i really hope that's the case i think i think what the best thing that happened to cloud atlas now is it needs to be picked up by a cable station and just run constantly yeah like shawshanked exactly so people are just like flipping channels and they go what, what, what the hell's that and then where, wherever they start wherever they pick up the <laughs> yeah. movie it doesn't matter and it's the one where like where you're doing laundry and it's on and exactly. then three weeks later you're doing laundry and it's on and after a while you realize you've actually seen the whole thing and you kind of understand it's kind of weird disjointed you know concept yeah that'd be great where, why, that'd be awesome. I, I feel bad that I, I forgot to mention it until just now but where does this fit what what is this movie's relationship with the fountain? Same sort of thing. I never made it through the fountain. There's certainly oh, you um, missed the best part. There's I certainly got, I both got thirty minutes in, and I was like, you know what, can't do it. Experimental, and there's a sort of pseudo reincarnation thing going on. Um, I don't think they're they telling. will take places over the same, effectively the same love story over generations. Yeah, they're not. They're not. 
What is the fountain? What's the, the fountain point is of, the- a very the fountain is a very it's a very interesting comparison in terms of the idea of telling a story because on the superficially they look like the same thing structure wise they're structure wise they're very similar but they are not telling the same story they're 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 two very similar movies telling different stories the fountain yeah. is basically Groundhog Day over millennia it's well it's somewhat that and it's the fountain the fountain is is about accepting that death is a part of life that's what the fountain and is. stylistically it's, it's more abstract. Yeah. The Cloud Atlas is more for all for its crazy structure and the craziness of the the new soul world. It's ultimately it's still the actual depiction of events is much more down to earth than the fountain. And is. Cloud, and and as as far as the crazy structure goes, I think it's in the same camp as Memento where you look at it and it can be very intimidating and daunting and maybe off-putting when you watch it and go this is all over the place. I don't know go, what's going on, but like you said Trey, if you sit there and let it wash over you, it's like, "Oh, Actually, the because they did it this way, it makes more sense. Right? They're yeah. they're they're connecting the dots more clearly than if they had just played them through, you know, chronologically. chronologically yeah. Chronologically, it's actually more broken than non chronologically. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so that's what you were doing, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can always find more episodes at uh, friendsinyourhead.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes one of these days. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash friendsinyourhead. Facebook.com slash friendsinyourhead. Or email us at friendsinyourhead at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Subscribe. Wonderful community. Good people. Uh, we have a chat room. You know, if you're bored, you can go and you can uh, talk to someone about Minecraft for hours. <laughs> um, and, Literally uh, hours. Holden Hill designed <laughs> to maintain the website. My name is always T. Christie. Brian Finnefer. Scott. Hugh Grant. And this has been What Are You <laughs> Doing, Movie? Good night, good night. And that's the true, true. You were Hugh Grant this whole time? I was Hugh the Grant makeup the whole was, time. The makeup was See, perfect. I know, it was pretty good. Really it? good. That's because I'm not lying down. You oh, yeah, if you were lying down, you know, your face would be back. pinching down towards your legs and it would just look awful. Hang on, I got to call Liz. Friendsinyourhead.com.